2: Another round of NRL action is in the books, and it was a fairly close round, all round, bar probably one or two of the games boxed, but in particular, I thought the first three or four games were very, very close. Good to watch.
1: Yeah, they were exciting games, um, and another good weekend ahead with Easter and Anzac Day, so plenty to look forward to.
2: Yep, and I guess everyone just like ourselves will be very happy for the time off, get to watch plenty of football, enjoy company of family and friends, and uh, have a few brewskis.
1: Yeah, well, that's Uh, right. I think,
2: uh, depending on what's going on this weekend, we might be able to get a a game companion going for the first time.
1: Friday night would probably be a good time. This year. Final rematch.
2: So keep your eyes open for that. Now that uh, some of the football duties have slowed down a little bit, there'll be a few more game companions coming up. We're going to try a few new, new different things, explore maybe a YouTube channel, maybe do some questions once a week or something like that on the YouTube side of things. But kicking things off our set of six, any questions, thoughts? Uh, statements, whatever we have coming out of the round, I think the big thing, Brock, and it's been speculated for a couple of weeks, is the retirement of Greg Ingles being probably the hot topic the last couple of days, and obviously announced yesterday formally.
1: Yeah, well, we um, we sort of had our say on it last week, I guess, on the podcast, just in relation to the fact he had a week off, um, he'd been told to go away. It it was you know obviously looked like he was going to retire or he was at least considering it, so. Um yeah, I don't know what else what else I can say apart from what I said last week. I think it's a shame that a lot of people looked to kick him um while he was while he was struggling a little bit. A lot of those same people are now one lauding him and saying how great of a player he he was. So it's funny how things change in a week. Um but look, let's not um split hairs here. He's the best centre I've ever seen play. Um I saw Mal Meninga, but as an eight year old, that was his the grand final in ninety-four. So I didn't see Mal Meninga's career, but from you know sort of the mid '90s when I started watching footy pretty seriously up until now, he's by the length of the Flemington straight the best centre I've ever seen. He played also doubled it on the wing, started on the wing for Melbourne, played five eight, uh, played fullback. Um, he's just a, a credit to um, a credit to himself, his family, the Aboriginal community. It's just sad, um, sad that he didn't end up playing for New South Wales. I think. He'll write an autobiography one day or a book and he'll tell us the reasons why he chose to um, affiliate himself with Queensland, not New South Wales. It's been sort of...
2: Yeah, it's been touched on. Touched
1: on, but nothing real solid in regards to why um, that ended up happening. But he caused us plenty of heartache as Blues fans. and uh, But he also brought you a lot of good moments as a a Storm fan. Um, Yeah, I, I think... The period from 2007 to 2010, I think he that's probably the best we've ever seen in terms of form from a centre. He, What he did in the 2007 grand final, I think, was remarkable. The try he scored, length of the field try he scored in that game. Um, he won a golden boot in that time. Uh, Melbourne won a couple of premierships in that time. He then came to South, was, was a leader in them, winning their first competition in almost 40 years. Uh, he's been he's done some tremendous work off the field. He's had a few cock ups, but there's not many of us that don't, haven't had cock ups in our time. So, uh, yeah, excellent career. Is it the way you would have liked to have gone out? No, but you know, you, sometimes you just don't get have the right to choose the way you go out.
2: I think he said it in his own words yesterday. What a career! I don't think he yeah. can complain. 263 games, 14 seasons, all time leading try scorer. For Queensland, I think that's the other thing probably I take early doors, and not just his club football. When he played for Australia and Queensland and those red-hot sides, any time the ball went to his edge, it was almost guaranteed to be a try. Uh, What was it, the Centennial Test when Dad took us to the SCG and he threw that ball back over his head? He'd only been at Melbourne for a couple of years, but I sparked back all the way to being a a diehard Melbourne fan. I was a 15-year-old kid in the change rooms at Penrith when they... I think they lost that night in Melbourne. He wasn't playing first grade yet; he was on crutches. But I'd heard a lot about him, and I saw him, and I actually asked him for an autograph in two thousand and five before he'd even play a game. And he was very hesitant and humble, and he was this giant, six foot two string bean at the time. But I'd heard so much about him that I actually got him to sign uh, the jersey I had at the time, and, and the whole team, mind you, coming out that night, signed the jersey. But little did I know. Everything that I'd heard and more had come true within twelve months when he come into that Melbourne side. Well, 2006 I six
1: in uh, a game versus Hunter Sports High at Penrith Stadium, arrived alive, year young. I um, mean, he didn't do a lot. There was a lot of um, a lot of things said about this kid, um, a young Aboriginal kid. I think he was playing fullback at the time. Didn't do a lot in that game, um, but I think Luke Walsh also played in that game for Hunter Sports High, and within a year. He'd done a preseason down in Melbourne he'd, ha- he'd been sent home he said that last night in his in his press conference and then um you know the following year he was in first grade yeah so he's you look at some of the vision of what he did in the Queensland Cup as well and you just think it's unbelievable
2: yeah so oh, in, in a
1: you know in a reserve grade competition that he would just have if he was on the field that team would win to have that sort of an impact in such a prestigious competition like a state statewide open age competition as a young man is um incredible. We're not seeing we haven't seen anything like it since, simple as that. Well, Someone dominate a competition like that. There's
2: only a handful of players that come through with that kind of hype around them I and he was one in particular, but yeah, that was the first thing that popped in my head last night. Uh, my friend Daniel's dad used to be a security guard there. I asked for an autograph and got it before he even played first grade and you don't like to heat that expectation on people, but as a 15 year old I'd heard that much about him. That little did I know that the year later when it was predicted after Orford left that Melbourne would run last and become the Wooden Spooners, that he would come onto the scene. That team, a lot of the players, uh, and how things developed in the next couple of years, rightly or wrongly, whatever you think about those grand final teams, uh, he was exceptional. As far as rugby league talent is concerned, speed, power, size, skill, ins- instinct, he is the Rolls Royce of rugby league. He is a Ferrari There's many ways you could describe him, but I haven't seen a better pure athlete or talent in my time since I've been alive. And like you said, I didn't get to see Melvin Inger. I was only a couple of years old when he played. But um, yeah, Greg Inglis is the most probably exceptional physical specimen with the balance of speed, power, instinct that I've seen. So Great career. Um, A loss to the game, to Queensland, to Australia, South Sydney. Uh, He's a credit to himself, the Aboriginal community, and all the work he's done, and he's going to continue to do. Uh, So congratulations to Greg Inglis on a career. It was uh, absolutely exceptional. Point two we've got here, uh, the Cowboys-Storm game. And yeah, a bit of drama to come out of that one. You obviously messaged me bringing up about the, the eye gouge. And then obviously the big part that came out of it was the non-stoppage. The non-stoppage, I just don't understand. I know the ref said, oh, there's a protocol and you have to do this, that, and the other. But they bloody stopped the game for everything else. So if you've got two blokes on the deck, out the back, doctors, all those trainers on the field, it shouldn't take a minute. It should be instant. As Soon as those two blokes were left on the ground at the play the ball, to stop the game and I don't think it needs to go any further. Well, they only than dropped
1: that. and they only dropped the two referees. To me the touch judges are more liable than what the referees are because then they're not actually having to watch the ball, watch the game. They could easily look back and go, "Well, Nana McDonald's legs facing the wrong way." Mm. So look, it was a it was a little bit worrisome in the fact that it took that long to stop the game, but I don't have any sympathy for any of the officials in that game. No, neither they, do they I. They should have stopped that game.
2: I thought they'd lost control of that game well early, And then to make
1: well. make the stupid argument, oh, just following process and Like, mate, there were three fucking officials on the field trying to stop the game, screaming at the referee to stop yeah. the game. And they so,
2: said you have to talk to the touch judge. Well, the doctor and the yellow shirt... The touch shirt judges knew. They already talked to the of touch judge. Of course they had. And they stopped it for bloody noses and everything else. Like Peter Parr Greta, was so. screaming
1: at one of the touch judges from the Cowboys' bench. So even Craig Bellamy came out after the game and said, the, the game should have been stopped.
2: Everyone knows it should have been stopped. Exactly. It wasn't rocket science. When there's two bodies left on the ground, collateral damage, you stop the game instantly. Ridiculous. So for that side of things, yeah. Well, no. the
1: eye gouge, I, I find it astounding that he's got a fine for an eye gouge. Well, Whereas you have Jared Wallace, who shoulder charges, and gets two weeks. How does how does a shoulder charge get two weeks and then you have an eye gouge, a blatant eye gouge, get nothing?
2: Well, the issue I have here, and I know they're Queensland teammates and he chose not to put the formal complainant in Cameron Smith and they all kind of...
1: Well, he did put a complainant on the field and then well,
2: he retracted They it. bailed out of it, but that's what I'm getting at. I know they're teammates and they're going to play together, but I. it's not the first time he's done it. That's the thing, and he's got a habit of dirty play. And I think Josh Maguire is a fine player, and he, he plays hard, but he plays on the edge, and he does a lot of dirty shit at the same time. So one thing I, I don't agree with, though, people going, oh, it might have just been a facial between mates, this, that, and the other, and it's gone wrong, but I saw a clear hooking of the fingers up into the eye. He's very, very lucky to get away with just, uh, you know, that side of things with a fine, and I know it was a teammate, whether he was looking to mess around with him or not, it almost went horribly wrong. Yeah. And of all people, and I don't want to you know, take this shot at him, he's partially blind in one eye himself from an incident that happened in a football game. You don't, that's something you don't do. Eye yeah. gouging is off limits. Whether he's your mate or not, I, I don't agree with it. He's very, very lucky you're 100% right in that situation, but I guess at the end of the day, he's and then lucky. they said
1: they had insufficient uh, footage. Well, Please. He, yeah,
2: I think it was pretty obvious to most people. But the bigger issue to come out of that one, I think, this, the non-stoppage and everyone blowing up about it and going to lengths this, that, and the other—I think it's pretty straightforward. Any time someone is down, you stop play. It was very. No, I don't from think start.
1: any time someone's down because it's it, they're not all equal. If it's a cramp or whatever, you play on. For, but when a guy's legs the whole, facing
2: the other way, you stop the game. This is the whole issue, though. They do stop it for cramp and other things. Well, they don't. So not,
1: not this year. They have, haven't been. Yeah, well, they've, they've tried to make a stand, and I, I like that. But
2: they got it terribly wrong.
1: It, well, it's, sadly, it's overshadowed Cam Smith breaking the record. So the all-time point-scoring record in the, in the same game. So there's plenty of talking points to come out of it, but unfortunately it's been two negatives, not, not the positive, which should have been him breaking um, Hazemel Masuri's all-time point-scoring record.
2: Yep. Uh, tackle through, another one you sent through, uh, the Filios situation, and I think it was Peter Beattie you said made comments. Well, Peter Beattie I- came I out
1: straight after it and tweeted that he's not welcome back in our game and sort of put a stop to it straight away. I think it may have been to sort of stops any speculation about he, him being linked with any club. Uh, but I thought it was strange that Peter Beattie made any comment because, well, even now, even today, he's still contracted by the ARU. They're still working through the issue. So,
2: Well, they've issued him a termination notice. I think he's got 40 hours to respond and he's fighting it on religious grounds and freedom of speech. They're saying it's not a religious issue. It's plain and simple. It's an employment contract and there's conditions and things that need to be met. And then it come out afterwards that apparently there's no social media clause or something like that. But apparently, after getting in trouble last time, they put some things verbally and written in place. What well, needs to be written. about Verbal, what, he, what he could,
1: doesn't count, could
2: and can't say, and whatnot. But to me, the whole thing's a shit fight and a mess. I understand some people are outraged, saying, "Well, how hypocritical that you know we let people like Matt Lodge and these guys back in the game." But somebody posts something up like that, and you know it, he hasn't done anything else. But at the same time, I'm not for hate speech, and in particular, do
1: you reckon it was hate speech? Uh, I just, I just- It's
2: 2019. I'm I'm happy for people to have their views, and I'm not against him having his views and following the Bible and all that. But, you know, what about there might be a 12 year old boy out here somewhere playing rugby, and you're playing rugby league who's struggling with his identity and may look up to somebody like Israel Flowers. I I don't think they need, you know, that kind of thing being.
1: I don't know. I think it's a cop out. Like, for me, it's dumb. He shouldn't be on social media. Simple as that. The next contract should be if he signs anywhere, it's Israel. You're not on social media, mate, at all. And the moment you get on social media, ta-ta. Like um, said,
2: I'm fine for people having their religion, their view. My big thing is just don't push your views on me. I know this. I,
1: I also think it's just, it plays into that, I guess, the environment at the moment, which is that everyone wants to be outraged. Yep. Someone says something and everyone wants to be outraged. Look, I, it was a post. He, he shared something. It wasn't, I don't know. I, I don't want to get in the nuts and bolts of it. But for me, I read it and thought, stupid, but I wasn't offended.
2: Yeah, it's just not smart though. He it's knows not smart. I
1: know that, but they're, they're, really, their like, ma- major we, sponsor, contest
2: is run by an openly gay man. It's 2019. We're yeah. an inc- inclusive society, part of inclusive games, and we promote diversity and all these other bits and pieces. And putting that out there is just dumb. It lacks awareness. But we had a and prime thought. minister.
1: We had a prime minister recently, which openly opposed gay marriage, who led our country. So for me, I, I don't know. Like, I don't like getting get debates about religious and religion and politics. But but at the same time, no, I don't right? get the outrage. Like, it's, it's like, okay, well, he's entitled to his opinion. Well, I go back
2: to my point that I was going to make. If you don't on like this. it, unfollow him. Honestly, I don't want a bar of it. And from a rugby league perspective, when everyone fell over immediately going, why wouldn't you take him back in the game? And it's hypocritical, all these other things, and players will let back in. Besides that point, I don't want Israel Flour back. Why? He's 30 something years old. He's been gone for God knows how long. And in my opinion, we haven't missed him.
1: No, I don't think we've missed him. I think him either, he's a talented but player, but I don't rugby, think this rugby is league is enough to. Rugby league rub him always out of the game.
2: just. Keeps on ticking over And every time someone leaves And we throw our arms up there And go oh what a great loss And the, the war chest we had And we we're going to keep players None of that bullshit And as far as him coming back Like if this is what We're going to get with it And there's going to be drama That comes with it I don't want to borrow it But from a talent perspective And the age And how long he's been gone for I'm not worried about Israel for coming back. I honestly don't want to Borrow this story That's my opinion <laughs>
1: Well, unfortunately, like but that's that's what this podcast is about. You need to talk about it I because they're going to. Uh,
2: but as a club, are you taking him? Because I'm certainly not. If this is what I'm going to get, if
1: and... I'm one of the struggling clubs, I'd definitely look at taking him.
2: Well, if it's going to upset my playing group or guys have opposing why views, why would it, why would it upset gonna... the playing
1: group? This is the thing that everyone sort of awards oh. against what I believe in. It's like, well, your job's not to fucking get along with everyone. Your job is to get on the field, and and, and the club's job is to get the best team on the, <laughs> the field. Players
2: don't all agree with each other, though. The well, they
1: don't all agree. Values. They don't all agree on in you know. Things that are far less, I guess, tangible than religion. They wouldn't. Not everyone's going to agree on everything. No, no.
2: That's... But being in teams as you have, or being in big squads, there's generally little groups. Or but other if Israel Falao
1: was them. my teammate, or if I was coaching Israel Falao, and that post went up, I wasn't offended by that post. The conversation I would have with Israel is that you need to understand that there are people that would be offended by that, and you need to understand that it's stupid, and you should get off social media. But I. I don't know. Is it that outrageous? Is it a suckable offence? I I don't know. For me, it was just stupid. And then Peter Beattie jumped straight on top of it. And I I totally agree with the notion that a lot of people are saying that, like we've we've let we've given Matt Lodge a second chance. If Jack DeBellon gets cleared, or well, even if Jack proven guilty, well, I I get that. I get that. But what is so? What's Israel Folau guilty of? Having an opinion, having a having a having a view, but but so why can't he share that on social media?
2: Well, he did, but in his position and being linked, like I said, to someone like Qantas have an openly gay boss and other bits, he's got things that he has to think about before he speaks. Yeah. It was just stupid. I don't. I have think it was dumb. Don't, don't push your views dumb. as far as I'm concerned on people. Like religion, to me, is one of those things that you don't push on other people. I'm yeah, not a I, very religious person and I respect people that are and I've got that. Okay, I guess my
1: argument is that I think there's been far worse offences there has been worse. Not not be um result in, in someone getting sacked. But that's think, my opinion. Do I do I think it was stupid? Yes. Do I think it was the wrong thing? Yes. Was I offended? No. But that's on me. The, on
2: the flip though, like I said though, uh, the influence on young kids and other people and you don't know who may be struggling with something like that, who may be looking up to someone like Israel Fallout to yeah, be told I, that I they get may that. be they living in sin and they're going to hell. Like, It's yeah, that's, my... that's more the awareness, to, Like, just keep it to yourself. you? me contract...
1: and you have a beer once a week, once a fortnight. I wasn't offended by his post. Right,
2: mate, everyone I know is going to hell according to his that, well, So that's,
1: that's what I mean. <laughs> like, I sort of laughed at it. I thought, that's funny. I did like, as well. I, I, I laughed you. at the stupidity it you of you.
2: Just If you're getting a $4 million contract and you've been warned about it once before and you know your responsibilities and what you're working through, like, just yeah. wait until you're done. And
1: I just think it was premature to rule him out. Of a back to rugby league until the process has been. You
2: know, I still think most clubs wouldn't be willing to touch him, but I don't know. I'm not going to give it any air, to be honest. And he's talking about walking away from union if it's God's will, and if that's the, the what it needs to be, he will walk away and he won't play anymore and whatever else. So if if that's what he wants to do,
1: I think it's strange. Like the strangest thing for me is he's been involved in league and union for the last well ten plus years, and he's never even heard anything no, like
2: this it's, really. But now apparently he's church group and everything coming out of his own house and he's changed from being a Mormon to maybe Hillsong or something. I don't know the finer details but honestly I don't really care mm. I think we've given this story way too much here and people jump onto this stuff straight away when anything can link back to rugby league I, um, I don't want to of it I really don't
1: yeah I, so, I'd like if I'd... something
2: comes of it we'll, we'll deal with it then but yeah. I get Everyone's opinion on the matter, but I, don't
1: really I just don't it. understand why everyone's so offended. Uh,
2: by hey, but everyone's got a different take on it. But it's, I'm not losing any sleep over Israel Flower, Let's put n- it that way. That's the. And I get
1: like if you if you um, you know if you're gay and you're offended by it, I get that.
2: Hundred percent, you should be offended.
1: Like, by it. <laughs> yeah, but to me, like if if I'm gay, I'm happily gay. If just, that makes sense, like I. Yeah, who gives a fuck what Israel Flower believes? Because he like he's he's out there preaching, trying to drum up attention I, I, I don't know for me I we're, just think we're well good much, on him yeah. let's yeah. not
2: talk about it I'm sick of it tackle four Newcastle Knights one and four uh, not a great start to the season if anything they've taken a step backwards they look a bit flat their attack is struggling but Nathan Brown that performance uh, laced contract it's not signed for a term of years it goes off a performance based and the results is he under pressure is the big thing that's popped up this week. And then I think I, he's
1: under massive pressure. The thing
2: on the flip side of that that I bring up again, though, like most of these jobs, who are you replacing him with?
1: He's under massive pressure. They've got a gun roster and they're playing like poop. Absolute poop. They've lost three games in a row at home. Uh, they've Well, they've had four home games, only won one, which was round one, which was, a, again, a close game. Nathan Brown comes out after that game and gives a little jab to Paul Gallon, what do you think of us now? Well, what what do you think of him now, Gallon? Mm. He's been proved to be correct in the fact that Gallon said, that's fine, do that every week. And since then, they haven't won a game. So I I think things are pretty dire at Newcastle at the moment, if you ask me. I think Mitchell Pearce's form is poor. I, I watch them, they're uninspiring. I don't think they're playing for their coach. The home field isn't, a, isn't really a graveyard. I've given them time. Everyone's saying, give them time, give them time, give them time, give them time. Well, the time's come. It's five years into the deal, five years into the rebuild, and they're still dishing up this same crap. And Manly, to me, like, Manly put the cleaners through them on, on Friday night.
2: But well, the They did, they, it was they, 18-0. They blew them off the park
1: in the first
2: 20 minutes. After that, they themselves weren't exactly...
1: They had a man in the bin, and they still couldn't win the game at yeah, the end. I'm not I... disagreeing
2: with you, but I'd like to say that they're going terribly, I think they're playing poorly, but they haven't been blown out by anyone. They're struggling to find a way with attack. But I think the other thing with heavy changes and blooding some of these kids and finally getting salary cap and buying players, it isn't going to click overnight.
1: Well, they, bought, and... they haven't bought a nine, which is you know what we said at the end of last year. You know, everyone keeps saying, "Oh, you know, they've got some good nines there. They've got some good nines there. They'll come good." Like we said in our season preview, this is the year for uh, for Danny Levi. Well,
2: the one I didn't get was buying Kurt Mann to play a nine. Well, he's it not a didn't nine. Make sense like,
1: to me? Just, if, that's what I mean. They're, and where's Kurt Mann? I like, still
2: what, think Connor Watson again was either a nine. He's either a six or a nine. I thought they looked something the other night when he played at nine than what they did with Danny Levi. In all
1: honesty, but he's but, not. He's not a long term solution there. No way in the world. You, well, you just run all your traffic at. He needs uh, to find uh, a new Connor position Watson.
2: fairly soon. <laughs> A a,
1: well, I said this last week. They've got too many players that don't know what their position is. It's, it's all well to have all this versatility, but if you've got, you know, you can't lock down your key positions, then the versatility is useless.
2: I think it's purely a case of energy and effort right now, more so than talent. But I that's mean, the point, that's isn't that there. The coach's job. But looking, oh, well, the players have to take some responsibility. No,
1: I agree. I agree with that. But he's coach... had five years.
2: Yeah, and he's took them through an absolute shitstorm that nobody else wanted to deal with. And he had back-ended contracts and yeah, rubbish look, and a junior. I, but like, I don't think you can just stab a bloke
1: I've No, I've given him long enough. In, I
2: think now it's... To him actually finally having a side. They've like, got
1: to play better than what they are now. They've they got have got to play
2: better. better. I 100% agree with you. But unless they finish this season, you know, bottom four again, absolute Barry Crocker, I'm not throwing him under the bus immediately.
1: Well, I heard a few people, you know, say the same thing. But what happens if we're 12 who, months down, down the road we're in the same position it's not, it's not a matter of who you replace well, it, it with is because it because if it, you bring it, in a
2: new coach and you know this yourself do you agree with the same personnel do you have a different direction do you want the same junior pathways do you like the squad you've got right there oh, i don't like abcd that he signed last year oh, it's going to take another 18 months two years for no, me to roll that's over these bullshit as well, because well, you, you, the bullshit. you
1: interview the you interview your coach and you say look we're looking for someone who's happy with this list who thinks they can do a job with this list if you're not happy with the list Piss off and you know employ someone else. another
2: rookie coach who comes in and it'll be someone we haven't heard of and potentially it all unravels and they go back to square one.
1: Well I, I to me they're they're not going well enough. I, I've got serious concerns about Newcastle at the moment.
2: I agree with that, but to me at the same time, like I said, we're all just pointing the finger at Nathan Brown. The players need to have some accountability in their I performance get that. as well.
1: I we get always that, jump but...
2: too often do jumping on a coach. I think he's been through. And
1: I'm, I'm not one of those guys. No, but
2: he's been through the trenches and they're five man. rounds into having a half-decent roster and suddenly everyone's trying to stomp on his head and already take no, it's out. just
1: some signs there that... Yeah, I agree the, with you. The effort, I, I think the effort and energy has been pretty poor. I, I, think
2: think I think a big part of that comes back to the playing group. and They need to take some responsibility for
1: that. Yeah. So, uh, one and four. Wow. Who have they got this weekend?
2: Titans, your mob. Okay. Up at the Gold Coast. Well, oh, they lose that. Game. AJ Brimson is out apparently. I think he broke his finger and he there broke was his talk phone. Ash Taylor's been named, but there's talk that he may not play. He didn't finish the game last He's week.
1: He's made a fucking paper And mashup. Jared
2: Wallace is obviously suspended, so if they're gonna get a win, and you know, I, I thought the Titans were better last week, but still if they're gonna get a win, this is, is it one up of at the week's. Gold
1: Coast. It is up at the Gold yeah. Coast. Yeah, well, good luck, Newcastle.
2: Something needs to change quick. Mm. Tackle five, New South Wales halves, incumbents versus four. Obviously, Cleary and Maloney are the incumbent pairing. Uh, Maloney had a Barry Crocker the other night. Missed 13 tackles. Wasn't too impressive in that game. Uh, Nathan missed more tackles than usual, usually pretty good defensively. Had a couple of decent moments in attack. But in general, the Panthers, not a great start to the year. Not in good form. And then you've got Luke Keery, who... Out and out is an absolute shoo-in as far as I'm concerned, and a guy that I've been ranting about for two years that some people still question, Cody Walker. I wasn't really throwing him into rep circles, but saying that he's one of the best five eights in the competition. And this year, the way he started off right now, that pairing seems a lot more juicy to me than going with Cleary and Maloney.
1: Mm, yeah, I agree. I, I think to me, it's time to move on from Maloney.
2: I I think he agree did did
1: you. A, did a job for us last year. Luke Kyrie is playing twice as good as Maloney. He's younger. He's playing in a better club side. Um, he's playing with Tedesco, so he's got that partnership. He's playing with Cronk. I think he's learning an absolute heap off Cooper Cronk.
2: You've got Korda and that's why neutral.
1: Yeah, Kiri to me has to play Origin this year. I don't he's, think he's, he's, the, he's the first player I would pick right they, now. They
2: can say whatever they want. He's in.
1: Now, if I am picking Nathan Cleary, I have to pick Luke Kiri to partner him. I don't think you can pick Cleary and Walker because I don't think Walker has that enough controllability in his game.
2: See, I disagree. I think Cody Walker... Could
1: push a side around. Cody Walker,
2: with, to me, when I watch him play for South Sydney, is one of the only halves in the comp, It's something that Nath doesn't do yet, who plays both sides of the field. He's an instinct player. He's got the ability to run. You just said
1: it, but he's an instinct player. He's not an organiser. Yeah, so what, that, no, what I'm saying, let me finish, is that... I believe if you're going to pick Cody Walker, you have to pick Luke Keary, and you have to just punt the two halves. I don't think you can pick Keary well, and Walker. Point.
2: I wouldn't pick the pair. And if you're going to go with,
1: but I think I think Freddie is desperate to keep Nathan Cleary there because I don't think he is. last year Gould, Fitler, even Ivan came out and said that if you're going to pick him now, you've got to, to stick on. with him.
2: At the same time, though, he said that your form needs to be up to scratch or at least around par to be able to keep your position. Mm. I think he's been okay so far, but I still don't think he's been outstanding. But if you and this is if, where if this is thought, where the
1: question comes. If, if you saw players the though, in this the sort form. of
2: irresistible form,
1: Kiri has to be there. He's to, been the best player in the comp. I to me, believe. they
2: make a great pair. They really do. And I look at Cody and the way he plays with Adam Reynolds. I think again,
1: like I think he is. Could Cody Walker be a fourteen?
2: No, nah, I think he's a chameleon and that's what I was getting at before. Why do you think he's an instinct player and he can't play to a game plan? I think he can.
1: Because for me, Tyron Peachy's he's, he's not playing well enough to, to get that utility spot. Well,
2: I I've got a utility in mind that Who? people won't maybe necessarily agree with, but to me he's in the Wade Graham mould and that's Ryan Madison. Ryan Madison to me holds an edge, plays at twelve. We've seen him the other week with injuries, play six, play center, yeah, he's got I, that I junior background, that. he defends that. in the middle. He can put a kick in and hold it like this. There's, there's enough roles that he can do, but I'd have. Well, no he's played problem. everywhere
1: from centre to front row, hundred percent. He mm.
2: plays middle, edge, halves, tight, and I know I mean, Peachy with that form as I'm talking about when you he, to me he's in that Wade Graham kind of mould. You can play him anywhere in a lot of those yeah, positions, I and I, don't I, don't I think an he can do that. a job. I don't have an issue with that. I don't. My, think my they, problem
1: is though he can't cover nine.
2: As if a half can't pass that dummy half though. Like I know Peachy, we say can cover all those positions, but technically he hasn't played. No, no, I'm saying or, Madison
1: you know. can't cover nine. That that'd be my only issue if you're going to carry him as your utility. I'd be happy to carry Madison if his form's good enough as one of the one of your I
2: think his form's been great. I
1: agree at the moment, but we're we're still what are we? Eight weeks away, seven weeks away from the Origin sides, but um, it's it's interesting. I look, I was all for it's got to be Maloney and Cleary, and Jesus, the way they're going now, like watching them against the Titans, and I've watched them pretty closely. We we saw the game live against the Tigers, but then. Seeing that game and watching that game fairly closely on the weekend, like the Titans dropped the pill. Penrith had a scrum with seven minutes to go going in on the 40 and they kicked it. It was awful. On play one. It was terrible. It was just disgusting. Like
2: There's no composure. There's no, no control. Man, I,
1: and look, the week before, I thought they got they got very, very lucky against the Tigers. The Tigers just stopped playing for the last 10 minutes and allowed Penrith to snatch that game late I thought if they don't good. win that, they've, but, they've only got one win over Newcastle, which was a 50-50 win as well.
2: Yeah. Well, plain and simple, I, I think the form right now of those two, I think the only saving... And they
1: got murdered by Melbourne. The only, murdered.
2: Yeah. The only saving grace is what you said before. I think for the Cleary situation, a mm-hmm. couple of years in grade, only been twenty twenty-one 21 years old, putting him with Keary, the fact he's been part of a series, that may hold him instead. But yeah. set it now. preview. James Maloney, for me, the way he finished the season, if I was Penrith, I would have told him, I don't want you to play Origin with the money we're paying you. And if I'm New South Wales and the way things are and the point and the players we've got coming through, I would have said to him basically by now, thanks for your service.
1: Look, his form's going to have to turn around. I wouldn't pick him.
2: I don't care about his form. From day dot, I would have, from a Penrith perspective and from James Maloney finishing the year and the goal of trying to win a comp and what they've brought in there to do, I wouldn't want him to play Origin. I know you can't tell a player you don't want them to do that, but from a New South Wales perspective as well, I think it's time to move
1: on. I think Freddie put the writing on the wall last week as well when he said they, they haven't been a good pairing. Yeah, we've and got And I think players. those comments got taken out of context a little in that, you know, he said, look, they weren't a great pairing, but they got the job done, and I knew they weren't going to be a great pairing, and they've got to work on their combination, yada, yada, yada. But well, he's right in what he said. like,
2: There's another player who also thinks playing better. He's younger and had a great year last year. And Luke I think Brooks. he's been good. That's exactly right. Yeah. So there's more players there. I think we've got options to move in, but the irresistible one and right Adam now. And Adam Reynolds. Exactly, and he's been there. He's still young enough, good kicking game. He suits that arena, so we've got options. It's just whether they stick loyal to Cleary and push forward with him.
1: Yeah, all right. But if he only, is to me at the moment. Right right now, gun to the head, I'd pick Cleary and uh, Keary, but, man, in the next month, well, Cody, Na- Nathan Cleary's going to have to play some good footy because at, right at this moment, that's only just based on the fact that I think Cleary's going to be the seven moving forward for a period of time, and I and I totally err on the side of we picked him last year young and he did the job for us so I think we're going to stick with him at least for the first game but man well, if, his, if his form regresses at all over the next month or sort of stays the same as it is at the moment and the Panthers results don't improve he's going to be under enormous pressure to, to keep his position in the team.
2: Well plain and simple right now Cody Walker keeps playing this way as does Luke Curie to me you can't resist that pair and someone asked me earlier are you worried about Cody Walker defensively? And I was going to say, well, you you picked James Maloney time and time again. That's Rick a strength Davis. of Nathan, Sorry.
1: a massive strength. You, in you he tell me you're worried so about well. Cody
2: defensively, I completely disagree with you because James Maloney misses more tackles than anyone in the comp and we've picked him time and time again. Yeah, so I'm not concerned about Cody. No all. argument. All right. Six tackle, last one. I know everyone's getting sick of hearing this one from me week in, week out, and the set of six has gone for quite a while, especially that Israel Folau thing, but the injury crisis continues. And again, bad injuries, Yeah, not just, you know, oh, this is a strain or this like Joe Tepine first game back after a broken thumb, now looking 10 to 12 weeks. They thought it might've been a leg fracture. Turns out it's just a high syndesmosis, but there's nothing you can do about it. The Nene McDonald ankle dislocation slash fracture, four to six months. That was just horrendous. Then he he sat there so casually when it happened live that I thought he was just tired. And then when they slow mo it and I saw his leg on back, I was just like, Jesus Christ, that's just ordinary. And Aiden Guerra, broken leg or ankle, something like that, around the same kind of uh, level. He's looking at three months. Ferguson's busted nose and then rib cartilage damage. He's named this week, but he's in doubt. Fafita with a hamstring could be anywhere from playing this week to out for six weeks, they reckon. They're not sure yet. Yeah. AJ Brimson, he's only just been back from his shoulder reconstruction. Now he's got a broken finger. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Isaiah Yo has been named, but his shoulder, they heard a pop. That could be something we don't know yet. Penna for playing close to their chest because they've named him. And then Ash Taylor again on the weekend went off the field and they were talking about a possible ACL strain. It's not a tear, but any strain on a knee ligament could be anywhere from a week to three weeks to six weeks. Mm. But in particular, to see three bad breaks or fractures in one weekend was horrendous. Um, it, there were it, some bad
1: ones, man. There's bad been ones. some collateral the NA1 damage. The one and the Aiden Guerra one were ugly. And most most
2: years we talk about teams staying healthy. I I can never remember such a spread of injuries across clubs so early in this season.
1: Mm, That's Uh, fair.
2: Usually there's one or two teams that seem to bite the bug, but there's a lot of teams right now feeling the pinch early on. Yeah. And it's not helping their football. But that's our set of six. A long one to kick us off for this week. But nevertheless... Plenty of good discussion. We'll jump into those game reviews, and they are brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. They say defence is the best offence, so what defence have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist, and whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC is devoted to giving you control of your power bills back. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket save thousands per year in energy costs. It may be the difference between good seats or great seats. Watching your team in the NRL grand final. Call Penrose Solar Centre today on 1800 20 to discuss how they can make you the real winners. au. We say it time and time again, Brock. Bills keep going up due to privatisation. And again, scary for me and my industry to read the other day that Liberals are potentially looking at selling oh, off. Oh, Jesus, he's getting into the politics. They're, they're looking at selling off the rest of the power network. Super. So my job may be up the hay did a little again. It's been a constant oh, roller coaster. Yeah. That's uh, the main thing. Forget about my job. I'm not worried about that. Power bills. They're just going to keep going up because the banks and all these other investment groups are there and they're only worried about one thing. Yeah. I've,
1: Cash. Yeah. I'm with AGL at the moment. They're doing some good things. They're doing some uh, promotions with the solar panels. So they uh, they have like an hour of power every month. And if you meet the targets for that hour, you get a $20 um uh, discount on your power bill for the month, which is pretty cool. I reckon it's all right. Well, again, so we um we sign up for it and do it. Just turn everything off for an hour. So it saves us twenty bucks. I mean it all um, counts. It's free cash, especially with the wife off on um, maternity leave at the moment. Well, but um,
2: on the flip side of that we live in Penrith in the summertime. It's an absolute scorcher. Oh, and no. like I said our our bills at home in particular with the old man were close to eleven, twelve hundred dollars with all of us at home. He yeah. cut them in half because with the system just cranking all day, we just ripped the ducted air con, the pool pump, all those bits and pieces, and it was all getting paid for because of the panels. So, yeah. Um, especially when you look at... Well,
1: he's got a bigger system than mine. I, I don't have as much um, and they, space. But...
2: They quote you on that anyway, so they'll give you an idea of how much you can save and all the percentage and the bits and bobs. So I talked to Jake and the lads there. But game reviews from the weekend. Brock kicking off first one, the Broncos versus the Tigers. They went down 22-16, to 16. and to be honest, in the first half with all the ball... All the territory, the possession they had, uh, the first try after let with that kick back in field, I thought maybe they're on. Maybe they're going to do it tonight. Maybe we're going to see something. I thought the Tigers showed some good resilience defensively and getting out of yardage and just bunkered down. They're a real gritty side. I think we know what they are. But Brisbane, for all the blowing opportunities, lack of creativity uh, from the spine, too many one outs, and then that Jack Bird dropped. I remember uh, sitting there at the time actually speaking to Vorney, sent a text message saying that's a sliding door moment. And the Tigers score right before half time off Cheekham, just winning that ball in the air and getting an offload and going 8 6. And just thinking to myself, this should be 20 0, something like that. At least three tries on the board for the Broncos, and they haven't found any. Mm.
1: Um, yeah. Look, they're, the Broncos' effort was there. They were good, they had plenty of enthusiasm, but their execution wasn't. Simple as that. And every time they. Matt Lodge was picked up, they then tagged a penalty onto the back of it more often than not flipped the field, and the Tigers just took their chances. A lot of the tries that the Tigers scored were ugly, gritty, but um, they hung tough. You've got defense, there. Their they D's are. great. Um, but, look, Brisbane bombed a stack of tries. They, they could have won that game by 30 points. It could have been a 20-point game at halftime, um, but it's cost the Broncos dearly. Like yeah. That's one that got away. I think the Dragons game was one that got away, and both of those come down to uh, their execution and um, their knowledge of how to run a correct field goal set. They were both horrendous. The The yep. one against um, the Dragons where got lost Asako again. got lost, kicked it dead. The, the Dragons go down. Norman kicks a field goal. Cost them the game. This time, an Andrew McCulloch pass hits the ground. There's no direction. Yep. Asako's not even in there for the kick. He cool. was out on his wing.
2: Anthony Seabold said those sets are on Anthony Milford and you'd think a guy getting paid yeah, a million dollars Yeah, I think that's a cop-out
1: as well, But Everyone needs to have accountability. Everyone, <laughs> everyone should know where they're trying to go for that. They, they know, okay, we're trying to get to the right post for the left foot kick or the left post for the right foot kick or whatever it is. Everyone in the team knows where you're trying to get to on a field goal set. You know that as well as anyone.
2: Well, I'm done with the experiment and I know he's pushing with the halves and they've paid him to be six, but I always thought he was a fullback. So, to me, I'm putting him at fullback. They need a spark. It needs to come from somewhere. And who are you playing at six? It's certainly Boyd. not coming from Darius Boyd. Boyd.
1: Boyd, I thought, was good in this game.
2: I think he was better, but I still don't think there's enough spark coming from the back of the field. He doesn't hit those sweet lines. He's not quick enough. He doesn't trouble me on kick returns or popping up into the line. I think him playing at six with the way he passes and sitting out in that edge with less kilometers in his legs, can they run at him? Yeah, but they sh- I think he showed last year when he played in the centers for those games to Wayne Bennett that defensively he was solid. Yeah, it's Something he needs to give. I think Nick Arima at times does enough to show me that he can play as a six, not a seven. But again, they, they still lack a pure seven full stop, but fair. something has to give. Yeah, fair, fair. And I want it from the back. And I know he could put Azarko there and change things up a little bit, but I still think him on the ball-playing side of things, even though he's got a junior background at playing six, is more of a pure runner... And probably less of the ball-playing option from fullback than what Milford could be. Yeah, but I think they've gone with the same lineup, and the talk was he was going to wait eight weeks before reassessing, so expecting the lineup to be exactly the same. This it was interesting
1: week. hearing Gus talk about it last night on 100 percent Footy, and I, I agree with what he's saying. I think there's some massive overreaction to how Brisbane are going, um, but the fact of the matter is that they're, they've lost at least two games that they should have won. So that, that's a concern. If that continues, particularly for the next month, they are going to be under pressure. Well, to early make early
2: on, even when you are working through things, like you said, you need to close those games out. You do. If you jag a couple of those ugly wins, once things do click, and I think for them, maybe now all the talk about players going to origin may not be the case, may leave them a nice run during the origin period, depending maybe. on who they're playing, yeah, to maybe. find some form and string some wins together. But the thing is, prior to that, I think they need to at least be 50-50 or 6-6 well six the fact is
1: if you, lo- if you lose a stack of games so they've gone 1-4 and four, you need to flip that you need to yep. go 4-1 and, and for a period exactly so now the challenge is for Brisbane Like they're now going to Canberra on, on Sunday afternoon uh, i Canberra Canberra have changed our, our concern Canberra over Canberra, Canberra pre-season and saying you need to get your defence right they're, they're at the moment the best defensive side uh, in the competition they've completely changed their whole attitude as a team full stop yep. their
2: mentality their attitude their culture of their side defensively their effort a lot of things we'll talk about when we talk about Canberra have completely flipped. But uh, for the Tigers, I just think we, we know what they are. And Mike McGuire, he's a gritty coach. He demands effort. He demands good defense. And I, if I'm a Tigers fan, I would have been stoked with that win because yeah. they were on the back foot for most of the game. They defend so well inside 20. They put pressure on. They make efforts. They steal extra time in the play the balls. They're just so gritty and they'll continue to turn you away. Um, the Chi Camp try at the end—that was that was nice to see. I, I spent a little bit of time with him at the back end down there in Canberra. He's had a real rough time in first grade. First three years signed as a big prospect to Manly, had ankle surgery, elbow surgery, in a shoulder flick from there. And while he's been at the Tigers, he's had three different coaches. But it seems now he's finally got a solid spot. Last year under Ivan, and now Madge Maguire, who doesn't like to play with a utility or a hooker off the bench, likes four big bodies. Is looking at him as his utility forward slash back row centre, and he's found a home. Yeah. So uh, that that was a really good moment for him the other night. But I thought Luke Brooks was great. I thought uh, just the effort from the side in general. Alex Twal is one of the better young front rowers up and coming. I thought he was outstanding as well. Um, and Madison, every single week so far to me, has been outstanding. Broncos, Payne Haas, big first game. Yeah, he's Very true. big first game. Huge minutes for the size. The man's got a great motor. Uh, yeah, I think he had a great game. Nicarima was okay, but other than that, Yeah, the effort was there, like you said, but the execution, quite poor. Titans, 30-24 over the Panthers. Uh, Ugly game. For Penrith, I thought they started okay. Both sides were completing quite well. They built some pressure. They got some early points. There was a bloody hole you could drive a truck through for Maloney when he scored that try, but the errors crept in. Not as bad as some of the other weeks, but the problem with the errors for the Panthers, they're always at the set start in their own good ball area. They always make errors, play one or two from the OBs or an early carry and put themselves straight back on the back foot. And their goal line defense was horrible. And their stick was horrible. Like 67 misses is absolutely disgraceful. 67
1: misses is bad in that you miss so many, but it's also a stat that highlights how many tackles you've had to make because of how many errors you've made.
2: Well, the error count was surprisingly low, but like, they're actual, just their first up contact. A lot of times they well, made... Penalties,
1: errors and penalties. They, they just... made the
2: right decisions, though. They made good reads. They came in, but like sticking your tackle, your, your bloody first craps. Yeah. The amount of times the ball got free or somebody broke out of a tackle or they got bumped off, I was just... You spend all preseason, as we know... Busting your ass Working on your defence Working on your fitness Doing all these little bits and bobs And you get this far into a competition Only missed 67 tackles Against a team who hadn't won a game of football Yeah. And no offence to the Titans all The Titans forward pack finally stepped up Jared Wallace had his best game of the year Ryan James was good Even Cartwright I thought had a couple of errors But was better against his old side As a lot of the ex-Panthers were Who wanted to prove a point I guess But I still thought their attack Wasn't really that complicated And some of the tries that they conceded On play 5 were horrible the Maloney one, yeah, it's a loose football. They dived on it. Good effort on the chase. The Mansour not contesting the Anthony Don one. He's a guy I think you can target on kicks. We've seen that he doesn't really like to go up and compete for that ball. But, but there was an edge one there where they shifted out where Michael Gordon scored, but there was no option but for Josh Mansour to come in and jam, and he just stood on his wing and held. Yeah, They were shot to bits. There was two men outside, the centre and Dean Faro, who shifted off to try and get to his man and make the effort, and he's just held there. And mm. Gordon's just driven a, a truck through it. The Jared Wallace one at the post where there was five middles and they've just turned in and let him walk straight through like Just some pure clean misses that are just not acceptable at a first grade level. Yeah,
1: you can cut it however way you want. They made too many errors. The defense was sloppy. This is Penrith. The missed tackles, horrendous. They were just sloppy. That's that's the word that I describe Penrith by at the moment. They've got some glaring issues. I think the halves are playing poorly. I don't think they're... Middles are dominating at all I think their nines are ordinary I think they've got some issues at fullback Because they can't find someone that can uh, Break down a defence, run a good sweep Line, pass the ball I think Dylan Edwards had his backside wiped a few times By Dallin at the back Like there was a grubber there he missed and slipped over Where Dallin cleaned it up Um, Penrith have got a lack of leadership That's what I'd say I, I think they want to argue They want to bitch, they want to moan They want to niggle But to me, at the moment, no one really wants to be the leader there in that uh, side. No one wants
2: to be accountable. Who's,
1: well, that's that's leadership. Yeah. To be accountable is, is to have good leadership. And at the moment, I think there's some glaring signs there that they don't have leadership. And it's all good to have youth, but you also need to accompany that with some strong leaders and some experience. And Ivan's got some problems there at the moment, some real problems, in that, that like they don't have a real leader, an on-field leader or an off-field leader. Uh, Their nines just to giving them no impact. their middles, on the, on the flip side of that, aren't allowing their nines to get out. They're also not allowing their halves much time and space to play. What's also hurting the halves is the fact that they're making poor decisions. They're making poor decisions as a halves pairing, but they're also not having enough possession really to dominate a game. Uh, I, I just think the Titans were the best of a bad bunch here. I, I don't think the Titans were that great.
2: Oh, their uh, effort was good. Their but effort's, good. Their, their, their their effort's been good all
1: year. I think their yeah, effort's been okay. Like, their
2: attack similarly needs to improve, and their defence was clearly better than
1: Penrith. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think Ash Taylor going off the field. You know, if we're relying on Tyron Roberts to win us games, I think we're in we're in some trouble. Brimson was good, but now he's out. Wallace was good. He made the dumb shoulder charge. Now he's out. They don't have enough depth to really cover those guys going out of the side. So. They look um, they look slim pickings for Newcastle this week, and that's a game that Newcastle are going to be really revved up to win. So the Titans have made that really difficult on themselves. I, I know they they carried on a bit, like Garth Brennan carried on a bit. The fact that they won a game, but
2: I think all of them the just reality
1: is, happy is, to is that kind of, Well, that's fine. But the, the reality is you've won one game yeah. out of five, and your the expectations of the Titans this year was to go a lot better, and. You know Whether whether or not they they could have won another couple of games, which is probably fair, but they didn't. And the pressure's still on the Titans for mine. Um, this weekend is a game that if they're going to make the eight or make a push for the eight, they need to win. Yeah,
2: 100% agree with you there. Uh, on their side of things, like I said, I thought Wallace, Ryan James really stepped up, did a better job there. Uh, Michael Gordon, game 250. He's been at a few clubs, but he's a solid footballer. He's a great footballer.
1: Yeah, I didn't think he started the game real well, but as the game went on, he, he warmed into it. Quite
2: enjoyed the mic'd up and then uh, the shoey and the beer after the game. Mm-hmm. I think it may be his last season before he moves back home. You said that last year, but staying around for you guys, I don't think it was a bad thing, but... Been a great footballer for a long period of time, and I thought he had a pretty good game. Peachy, I think that was his best game of the season as well. Surprise, surprise, against his ex-team. Yeah. Well, for the Penrith side of things, I can see it more consistently. The most consistent player I think this year for Penrith so far for me is James Fisher-Harris. I thought he had another good game. Gets through plenty of work, some good carries, uh, absolute stack of tackles. And the only time they really looked dangerous to me is when Kiki got the ball. That try that he scored was just ridiculous. Where he knocked four or five blokes over last play with nothing doing. Um, he's been sorely missed but again still finding some match fitness but uh, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot to be impressed with them, they need to improve drastically quick Storm Cowboys, 18-12 Storm won this one, thought the cows came with their one of their better efforts, they had good intent early on, they really wanted to beat the Storm up they obviously had a plan to target Karen Munster because he caught plenty from uh, left, right and centre but I think the big thing, even with Melbourne only completing 45% and being absolutely disgusting in the first half, much like that Brisbane game for the Cowboys, they didn't bank enough points or didn't take their opportunities. And right on half time, Munster lays that short ball in. There's three blokes on a loaded short side who can't defend Will Chambers. They score and go in 8-6. And at that point in time, if I'm Paul Green, I'm worried. Yeah. Because we've thrown the kitchen sink at Melbourne and they're
1: only two behind and they've completed at 45%. And right. That was completely the difference in the game. The fact that in good ball... The Cowboys, um, the Cowboys couldn't execute, couldn't take their chances. Whereas when Melbourne had the ball down there in, they had no trouble posting points. Really, so uh, for me, it's it's a game for the Cowboys that got away. They they could have easily won that game. I thought Melbourne were slightly off their game. Their execution wasn't fantastic, um, but they're just classy and they they grit out those wins. And that's the difference between being a top four side and being a side that maybe just misses the
2: and this is exactly what we said at the start of the season and again, these few teams that we tip every week and you just rely on most of the time South found a way to win Roosters are finding a way to win and the Storm are finding a way to win Yeah, and I don't think there's any surprise about those teams those cultures, those coaches that are at those clubs and the consistency year to year and the results mm. um, but yeah, I thought the second half obviously they came out, they were a bit better Melbourne completion rate for the whole game was still fairly low I think they only completed uh, in about the 60s, but they got down that left-hand edge a couple of times. Jerome Hughes come into the preseason under pressure because he come back from the New Zealand tour overweight and hadn't trained that hard, and all the talk was Scott Drinkwater was a shoo-in to play fullback, but I think he's been, besides Munster, our best player,
1: Yeah,
2: and he had another cracker on the weekend. The line break from dummy half and the kickback inside for Addo Carr was an absolute cracker. He was in absolutely everything, and then the last pass he threw at the end of the game for Ado Carr. Summing up that short side, he saw that tiny bit of room. As soon as he got it into his hands, he just threw a rocket launcher to cut across the center of the winger there mm. and get him in. I, I, he got no Dalian points, and I have no idea here. Fair.
1: Uh, yeah. Again, yeah.
2: looking at it, I, I think Andrew Johns did it. I know he loves Cameron Munster, but I looked at the other points. Smith got two. I thought Smith was good in that game, but like the influence that Jerome Hughes had on the result, running for the meters he did, setting up two tries, line breaks, and Nelson Asafa Solomon got one point. It, it, that's why people at times, I think, question Dalian points. Yep. Because yeah, I really don't understand how Hughes didn't even get one point. what he did in that game, but yeah, Nelson was pretty good. Munster had his moments again. Obviously, copped a bit, but uh, picked himself back up and dusted himself off. But for the Cowboys, there's some real issues again with troops losing all, It was huge bar before the start of the season. Their backline combinations keep changing every week, which changes your edge defence, which is an issue. Uh, I think Cohen, Hess, Gavin Cooper, etc. These guys still not playing their best football. I thought McLean and Scott. Did a pretty good job the other night. Obviously, McLean up against his former club probably wanted to make a bit of a statement. And finally, it seems like Granville, uh, they've run out of patience with him. Baptiste played the majority of the game and I thought he did a pretty good job.
1: I thought Baptiste was a the most influential player for the Cowboys. I thought when he came on the field, they had a lot more spark. He was getting out. He was rolling yep. the ruck.
2: Getting them over the ad Granville,
1: line. he's he, lost his mojo.
2: 100%. And there's one change that has to happen for me. I was happy to give Tamari Martin a go at fullback. And I said the other week, I thought compared to... Uh, how they started the year off with Kahu that he lacks a spark and didn't offer enough in fullback. I've seen enough right now from tomorrow to know that that's probably not going to work. But ben Hampton. Yeah, get th- Ben Hampton the one. Ben Hampton played a couple of games there. He's got the speed. He shouldn't be playing on a wing. He's too small to be playing on the wing. Put him at one. That's a change that needs to happen.
1: I'd agree with that. I think
2: Tawala coming into the centres wasn't a bad thing. He's young. That's your, your future moving forward. Kahu playing in the centre, I don't have a problem with either. But yeah, that, that backline situation needs to get sorted out. And I think the real thing that's underrated again Felt hasn't played a game yet, and he's really good in yardage, and that was one point I made at the start of the year. They struggled in yardage last year, bar Felt, and now losing Nene and not having Felt, they're really lacking some size on kick returns and set starts. Yep. So, yeah, so Hard time, unfortunately, for the North Queensland Cowboys. South Warriors, 28-24. I love this game. This, this is a cracking game of football. Uh, the field up there on the sunny coast looks absolutely outstanding, and yeah, wow. Well, this first half, I was right up for this one. South looked good at times, but they were a bit clunky just for some execution. A few passes going to ground. A couple of the drop balls been trying to get some of their shift plays going. But for the Warriors to come in uh, to this game, go play against Souths, a quality opposition, lose Blake Green before kickoff, have to reshuffle there. I thought they started red hot. I thought their forward pack was really, really good. I thought their second phase was great and it really broke down Souths and cause some grief, but I'll tell you what, we're talking about players and getting daily endpoints and being informed Roger Tuovas' Sheck has been absolutely outstanding to start this season. Every time he gets his hands on the football, he's just incredible. Yeah. He, he looked likely at any stage to step somebody out of their shoes, break clean to the line, he had the ball in two hands, like he, he's just an absolute ball of energy and Said it the other way; they they lacked energy in their forward pack, and guys need someone to get behind. We're talking about leaders, or someone like a Penrith needs at the moment. Roger Tuivasa-Shek, regardless of how the scoreboard turns out for the New Zealand Warriors week in week out, he is a leader. He yeah. is an outstanding
1: footballer. Um, yeah. They well, this is a game they should have won. One hundred
2: percent, they should game have won. they should have won. They f- think, faded out in the back. Why is that? Yeah.
1: Luke having to go off with the HIA that hurt. That hurt a lot. Um, it's just at the wrong time, and once he went off, they lacked a little bit of spark out of nine and just that leadership and composure and how to close a game out. I
2: think errors just crept in there because they they, did, they, but- they had a real high completion rate and South was down and they managed to find themselves in the game still. But the Warriors near the back end just started to slow in the middle and start to make some errors and there was a couple of seven tackle sets that just invited South back in. And For South, it was a hard week when you look at it in all honesty. They've lost their two centres to start the year off. Their left edge has been their danger edge and that's been completely blown apart. They tried to play a lot of their football to the right where Gagai and Corey Allen is. And guys need to step up when things change. And I thought that particularly Damian Cook had his best game of the season and Cody Walker was exceptional. Mm. And they just got him through the middle and they isolated some players. They found some love a couple of times. Obviously, they've clearly done some video on Adam Blair. He held a couple of times near the post when they were coming off a tram line there, shifting back to the left and had him turned in. They got him twice. And the last play of the game where Damian Cook saw that both markers jumped open side and left players isolated on the left, and Cody Walker ran himself straight at Bunty Ophala, who was caught flat-footed and busted. The the comeback was ridiculous. It really was, because when the Warriors jumped out to 24-12, after Lasone got that offload first opportunity when he got back onto the field, and it seemed like everything was kind of going their way, um, especially when Reynolds just missed, I think it was Tohu Harris clean on his inside shoulder. It really looked like they could get something going, but... Yeah, four tries, Cody Walker had a hand and another one for Ethan off for shift play there where well, they just had him spaced out. Damian Cook was absolutely ridiculous. The pass that he threw to Cody Walker where he got through that ruck early in the first half and squeezed it between fullback and that other defender to get it to Cody Walker was an absolute cracker. Yeah. And people have been talking that he's been quiet. I think you just don't understand football if you think he's been quiet. Cody Walker? No, Damian Cook. Oh, cool. It, no, It's why? because you're only looking at the running game. No, that's that's no. one layer. I,
1: thought, I think he's done more running. I think he's been more influential yeah.
2: holistically in his game. Like the, 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 the ruck manipulation, the ball playing... Working his forwards, getting out, still probing. He's been playing some second phase play like Cameron Smith does, linking in and getting his players back into shape. And he did a little bit of half play again on the weekend. Then uh, his kicking game, he doesn't kick that often, but he's starting to get at the end. There's a lot more variety to what Damian Cook does in a short space of time, which is quite scary. Mm. Um, but I thought between those two, I they were great. Junior to Tola as well has been an exceptional to start this year. He's really stepped up under Wayne Bennett. So that, that's a real plus for them. Yeah,
1: I think Cody Walker, clear difference. He was a difference. To put him in the Warriors side, the Warriors win. Oh, him and Cook. Cook, yeah, was great. But Cook was Walker, four tries, massive influence on the game.
2: Yeah, and Cook laid a couple of those on. For the Warriors, two of us check, as I said, 225 metres, 12 tackle busts, couple of offloads. He was great. I think Jazz Tavunga's been pretty good to start the year again. That impact he brings, Tohu. Uh, Lachlan Burr he, he's been a long time coming he's had a couple opportunities at clubs and had that junior rep background uh, I think he's made a real fist of his opportunities but for them they're just going to root errors at the back end of the game couple of seven tackle sets and giving South some opportunities to come down and attack their line and unfortunately a couple of those bigger bodies were caught out defensively mm. uh, but yeah tough loss for the Warriors yeah tough one mainly Newcastle 26-18 but all the damage in this one was done in the first 20 minutes uh, they just look like they're asleep Newcastle they're intent defensively was ordinary, and that was all summed up, I thought, when Coruscant went straight to the ruck, only you know, five or six sets into the game. You can't be missing those kind of tackles that early on in the game. And Yeah, that that was just horrendous. Uh, I I couldn't believe how easy they're rolling upfield. The one-two punch of Adam Finua-Blake and Martin Tapau playing early off the back of it, getting some width. They have push around the football. They've got numbers. Daly Cherry Evans directing things nicely. I think LG's growing into his role. Uh, they they looked a lot better than what the Knights did. And I think on the flip side of that, for Newcastle, just exactly that push and energy and effort around the football. It was just one out after one out after one out. And then when they get in doubt I have any trouble, there's just a sweet play to Ponga make him come up with something. And given the grief that he's been through with his family this week and coming back, I thought he played quite well. Did. He was one of their best players on the field. He was still dangerous every time he touched the ball, but from a forward pack perspective and push and dent the line and taking attention away from your players and your nine playing you have the advantage line helping you out they really lack spark and they're way too one out and it puts extra pressure on the halves and Ponga to generate something I thought they looked much better when Watson moved into nine at the back end of the half and actually started to work the ruck a little bit and keep the markers accountable and Daniel Safidi was one of the only guys for me that came on and had some spark in his carries he bullied his way over the line a couple of times he got some quick play of the balls he helped David Clemmer out somewhat but the rest of the forward pack uh they need more. Jesse Raymond hasn't been getting enough football for mine. He came found it the other night, and you can see why we liked him so much last year at the Sharks. Very dangerous, broke some tackles. He just doesn't get enough footy. Very aggressive runner. He does on, not get enough footy. Yeah, he, he had to come find it the other night because the first four, six weeks or so, it just hasn't been getting to him. No. So They've got a lot of things they need to work on, obviously. I think Lino's kind of struggled in that setup so far. Hooker, like we said, but in general, it all starts with your forwards for me. Their forward pack defense has got to be better as well. Well, again, he's playing off a, a busted forward pack, in yeah. my opinion. They need to get him some ruck speed and generate something. But their attack, they asked a lot more questions last year, I thought.
1: That's what I'm saying. I've got massive concerns. It's been their been sides stripped, got though. better and their attacks got worse. So, yeah, something's got to change, but they <laughs> had more than enough. There's,
2: I think the harder part is. The first twenty hurt them, but they also
1: leak in that many points. You can't leak points exactly. But in the first twenty minutes,
2: you can't do it that early in the game because for the rest of the game, the game was over. I thought they had more possession and opportunity than Manly. They had thirty tackles at one point inside twenty, and the only try they could come up with was Aiden Guerra crashing over from dummy half from one out. They had a hit and hope try that that was denied later in the game, where Edric Lee put his foot out and had a bunch of combination offloads come together, but. It was all in vain, and to really sum up the night was when Adam Finol Blake literally drove a Mack truck through, you know, the back on the inside there when he was dropped under and none of the players tied in to cover the space. Mm. That was disgraceful.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, he oh, eventually right. got sent off, enjoyed himself, waving to the crowd and having a bit of a laugh as he went to the bin when he got pierced there. I'm not sure if he was charged for that. I'm pretty sure he was named this week for hanging the arm out there. I didn't think. No, that.
1: he's going to the judiciary to He's going him. to the judiciary. He's been charged, okay. Yeah.
2: Again, I just thought that was silly. I didn't think there was a whole heap of like malice or like aggression in the swing, but he didn't need to stick his arm out when he was right, slipping. He? It was just dumb. But yep. uh, Daily Chair Evans, 200 first-grade games. He had a cracker, I thought, the other night. Jake Trebojevic, exceptional again, and Adam Finua-Blake, despite that stupidity. And again, their goal-line defense, Manly, that's back. Had some questions right, over Desi yeah. going back there, but yep. the, there's a bit of fight back in that Manly jersey under Des Hasler. Yep, some good is. signs, but for... Newcastle Ponga was good Got Clem as usual got through his work Safiti off the bench but um, they need more help in their forwards and their attack definitely needs to open up they need to be a little bit more risky move the football more push some more early shifts get to your back rows play at halves change the point of attack at the moment they're just doing none of that something's got to give
1: yeah absolutely
2: <sighs> Roosters Cronulla uh, this was a weird game for me Because I honestly thought we no, were right in this And this game they went back and they forth They were right in it The Roosters again Similar to Melbourne Had a poor first half And had plenty of errors And uh, it cycled for a bit there Back and forth Where they were attacking each other And turning each other around And things didn't look too bad And then suddenly That offload on the ground Picked up They sweep around Kiri cuts through Back on the inside to Kronk They get a try Sharks again have their opportunities. Britton Akora goes through. Bronson Cherry drops the ball when he could have scored a try and offloaded there. A um, couple opportunities gone begging. Then right on half time, Johnson probably the changing point of the game, putting that kick in with thirty seconds to go made absolutely no sense. And then the outside backs on that edge, like Luke Kiry, I don't know if Latrell caught or Tedesco who did division. Next play right on half time to see that they had their backs turned or were a bit tucked in and put that kick in that was ballsy. Mm-hmm. I know it has no implication, but to just throw that out there and see that, like, that, that's the kind of vision we're talking about in the form that you can't ignore. And the trial Mitchell is an absolute Ferrari to go and score that try. That would have been heartbreaking for Cronulla, given the first half and how poor that I thought the Roosters were, particularly holding the ball.
1: Hard to argue. Yeah, look, this game changed on the halftime try, then they came out, the Ten Roosters... blitz. Yeah, Four it, was, it was... Three tries. 24-point blitz in six minutes, essentially. The, the the minute last minute before half time and the first five minutes of the second half up until that point it was a very high quality game John Morris said at half time he said look you know I think we've bombed a few chances in the first first half I just want to see us go out there and compete and try and get that first score and the Roosters just went bang 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 and that was it so look I think for probably sixty minutes of that game Cronulla competed really strongly and for a twenty minute period there they leaked like a sieve and the Roosters really put it on them but uh, I don't think... Cronulla's not going to lose any fans. They're missing a lot of players. Yeah. The Roosters were good in patches. They're but going through a hard spot seem, right now, the Sharks. The Roosters seem like they can just flick a switch at the moment and score tries at will, basically. Well,
2: the talent will, in that team, we've said it before, they've potentially got... Well, we know. They've got the best centre. They've definitely got the best centre. Yeah. They've got the best fullback. They've got one of the best nines when he's on the field, and then they've got a guy who's a great backup slash utility in... Victor Radley, they've got one of the best back rowers in the comp. They've got some of the most underrated middle forwards, and they're still missing Jarabree Hargraves. Right now, arguably the best half in the comp in Luke Kiry form-wise, and mm-hmm. a veteran and one of the best halves in the comp in Cooper. They've got talent everywhere. They've got individuals that can bring out these moments. The crazy thing is they work well together, and whenever something clicks like you're saying, it's just it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. But that blitz and how that came about, it was almost a mirror, though, to start the second half. Britton Nekora again goes through, passes to Bronson Cher, and he drops the football. Two opportunities gone begging and then it was just one after the other after the other there and it was over. The Kiri just dropping Latrell under, too easy there in the offload for Tedesco. Then they get a penalty on the back of that and Cordner just simply runs into contact and they fall off him there. And then the Manu try where he draw the three players in and Ichavale was finished that was absolute class mm. um, and again just shows their depth missing Morris and a couple other players and Ferguson moving on but again another win yeah and so I, they've I,
1: only coughed up round one and apart from that they're on a bit of a roll aren't they the Roosters the crazier
2: part is I'm sure Trent Robinson would have been angry with the way the game finished because they fell asleep somewhat at the back end and, they
1: leaked garbage time and those yeah. two
2: tries in particular they can see it on their right edge with Morris going through and then setting up the second one they were both quite poor uh, mm-hmm. the last one to Williams offload, off the deck or whatever, on full-time was ugly. But, yeah, real tough period for Cronulla. Like I said, if I'm a Cronulla fan, I'd be happy. There's been a real turnover uh, of players. There's good young blood there. Britton Cory looks good. Bronson Cherry's only going to get better. You've got to remember he's only 18. I think the Brayleys have both been decent. Jaden's taken a step forward this year, but just injuries. Wade Graham's still not there. Luke Lewis gone. Gallon missing a couple of games. Johnson's been in and out. Fafita goes off on the weekend. Moylan being out, it hasn't been too friendly again to start the year for the Sharks.
1: No, that's fair. But uh, plenty uh, of young yeah, talent they'll, there. i will get those players back and they'll be better.
2: I'd be excited. I've got some great young players. There's mm-hmm. some real, real good prospects there who are doing a pretty good job in first grade that I'd be really happy with. Uh, moving on, this one doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Dragons, Dogs, 40-4. I, I think the big thing here for the Dogs, like we said, younger side or some guys throwing together still learning their way and trying to build them up for the future. They've had a big two weeks where they've really put in a good after after a poor start, but they just came up flat in round five against the Dragons Pack, who I thought was the difference in this game. They absolutely blew them off the part. Uh, Vaughn in particular leading from the front. Frizzell now that he's back in the side. I think Laurie and Host are finally starting to show a bit more of what we needed to see for those guys to be better contributors, and it's only scary to think that with Corbin Sims potentially – Coming back in, and he was good in his first couple of games, and we don't know what's going to happen with the Jack situation, but if they get all their blokes back on the field and they've got contributors, their forward pack's looking really, really good. Second weekend with a spine being settled, I thought that looked better. Both halves come up with some assists. Benny Hunt, good kicking game. Uh, that left edge of Lafayre, he's been really dangerous to start the year. He can throw a silly offload at times, but he's on, he's on fire. He's got a great combination with Jordan Pereira. Dufty, he's two weeks back at the back kick returns looking okay some of his link up player that try he set up off the scrum there you just can't replace speed it was a three on three there was nothing doing but he just burned his man got the center to bite and created a two on one um, and there were some easy tries there obviously off some drop ball by the Bulldogs but I honestly thought they were just bullied in this game and they got a late try bit of a consolation but uh, yeah every, everything to me goes back to the Dragons forward pack they absolutely just blew the dogs off the park.
1: Yeah, absolutely, they did. Um,
2: Cam McInnes also not getting enough credit the way he started just didn't, this that
0: year. That didn't compete. Yep. They did not compete.
1: Flat week. Uh, and they made errors in their own end. When they had chances, um, look, they didn't take advantage of them, but I didn't think the Dragons gifted them any chances. I'll tell you what, the Dragons did really well. They kicked well into space and they defended the Bulldogs' wingers very well. They, yeah. they identified the week before. Well, they made that a point, point of buck and
2: meaning. Yeah, in they particular.
1: busted them up. And on the first two tackles of every set, particularly when the Dogs were coming out of yardage, they just smashed their edges but, from but, dummy half, which was. Just good coaching. And then on the back of it, I thought they were patient in, in attack. They didn't try and push the pass. They didn't push the envelope too much to Dragons. And the points came late in the game.
2: I'll tell you what, from a New South Wales, again, we talk about the forward pack perspective. If David Clamer and Vaughn aren't the first two front rows picked right now, I'm not here. Mm. I'm really not here. Um, I think on that kind of note as well, you'd think Frizzell and Cordner would be the back row again. And with Jack Debello and whatever's going on there, he's clearly not going to get picked, regardless of what the case outcome is. There, I think who can probably earn that spot. To be honest, I know mm-hmm. Jake Travoy, which is there. However, which way they want to work it, I think both of them will be in the side. Whoever starts at lock, or one of them being in a tight rotation. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think Vaughan and Clemmer have been exceptional. But in particular, last three weeks, and even after going off injured on the weekend, he was incredible. He's racked up eight daily end points in three weeks, and I think Corey Norman. Ben Hunt starting to work well together, getting that combination back from that Broncos time in the 20s and Cameron McInnes uh, was very close to getting that job last year. Clearly, Damian Cook's a great player, but I tell you what, he doesn't get much credit, Cam McInnes. He's a good footballer.
1: Yeah, he just goes and does his job, doesn't he?
2: He's getting better with his attack, starting to pick his times to run a bit more, but yeah, he's looking When's good.
1: he off contract, Cam McInnes? I'm
2: pretty sure he signed an extension last year, okay. so he's not going anywhere.
1: So he could be one that Newcastle Knights could look at.
2: Definitely need a nine, that's for sure, but good one for uh, the Dragons, and after a rough start of the year, Two golden point wins in a row and a nice blowout to build the confidence. Three in a row. Mm. Moving into Manly this week, which I think is going to be a great game. Yeah, we'll Manly playing great footy. So looking forward to that one. And the last game of the round, the Raiders versus the Eels. I was really, really looking forward to this one. The Eels I didn't think were... I wouldn't say bad They had some opportunities But they just really Pushed the envelope They were flat They pushed the envelope They tried to get A couple early shifts there They looked like They had something cooking And they just made some errors And put themselves Under pressure mm. The crazier part for me And the thing that I'd Still be happy if I'm An Eels fan Is they defended Their line I thought For almost 25 minutes Of the first half The sad part is When they finally broke After defending their errors So much It was a silly Just crash over From a front row
1: they only completed 19 sets or something the whole game. It was dreadful. Yeah, so they, they, completed. They, they got exactly what they
2: deserved. 100%. And I guess, again, Canberra, on the flip side of that, we speak about I think their attack was okay. It wasn't great. They scored some scrappy tries. But the more impressive thing for Canberra this year is just all the things they never used to do. They have line speed. They're fit. They're effort from marker. They hunt from the inside and pressure halves and pressure forwards. And they get off and they win their rucks. They're a lot more gritty. Their edge defense has always been a problem. They address that now. They play up and in. They play hard. Uh, Jack White. Well, the and... thing
1: is that they all they're all doing it
2: exactly. The, it's, the it's, problem it's, that's in has
1: been that it's been attitude all around that. Just, just players doing different things, and th- there's been no organisation. They'd be caught flat, or they'd
2: get lazy into the games, or things seem too hard. They're hunting as a team now. They look fit. Look, One I'll, to They 13. look fit and they look hungry, and they're angry. It's great. Mm. They had aggression in all their games so far, and they they want to get. It's to easy to fight. have
1: aggression when you're fit. You can't have aggression and waste gas and, you know...
2: They were a team in the past that wanted to beat you with flash. They didn't want to get into a grind. with you. right now, they're willing to get into the grind. I agree. I think they're still working through their spine, as we've spoken about. They've got some talent there. But once they figure out their attack a bit more, they're going to be a real problem. They are. They've only conceded 44 points. They've got two shutouts so far. And the only real blip on the radar was against Melbourne. And I didn't think they were that bad in
1: that game. They weren't. I thought the problem was was
2: that left edge just got caught out early on a couple of times because Melbourne were smart enough to identify...
1: A weakness, but you're
2: playing a pretty good side. Yeah, Canberra. um, Any concerns about in the off season so far? They've completely flipped it around. Bateman Whitehead...
1: at this this point in time. Yeah, hundred percent.
2: But again, looking at an Origin influence, I don't think they're heavily affected. Bar probably Papali. Mm. So if they get these wins up early, which they usually struggle to do, and get through Origin basically untouched, you'd have to say that they're definitely a team that's going to feature in the eight,
1: Mm.
2: unless injuries creep in and. Talk about Caesar and people going, would you bring him back in? He's earned no right to hold that jersey. And while they're winning and Sam Williams is doing the job, why would you change it? No, you wouldn't change it. So, no way in the world. Uh, yeah, I thought Hodgson was good. Kicking and control. Plenty of tackles there. Bateman, as we know, he's been great the whole way along. And again, Charles Nickel Clogstad. He, he's been a great pickup from the, the Warriors at the back there. He's done a really, really good job. Uh, yeah, just ultra impressed with Canberra as a whole. Really, really am.
1: Yeah, 100%. Let's see him be consistent with it. For yeah. me. Parramatta uh, like
2: you said 18 errors 52 misses real poor night Junior Paulo a couple of errors against his former team not a great night Fergo the busted nose the hurt ribs he had a real rough and tough night there Mm. Um, and yeah any time they look likely seemed to be a drop ball probably the one harsh moment a lot of people bring it up could have changed the game uh, they had a, a ball they picked up off their goal line through it and they potentially would have went 100 metres. It was callback for a forward pass. A lot of people don't think it was a forward pass. Yeah, I don't know, but I must say for the rest of the game, though, they were pretty consistently bad as far as completion, so I don't know if that would have saved them. But uh, For Canberra, good signs early on. For Parramatta, uh, I'd still be pretty happy with my team. Yeah. It's a bit of a blip on the radar. Yeah. Big week this week moving into the new stadium. So
1: no, I think they almost had their eye on that game.
2: <laughs> real, real good game. I'm gonna be
1: heading there with Kevy Gaia?
2: I'm His two daughters uh, I didn't even well, think about it and then I was like today, I wonder if I get tickets, stupid mate. Well I don't even know what I was thinking. Well I
1: asked you. One, I one don't even daughter. Remember. Yeah, well. Yeah. When was that? That was a while ago.
2: But yeah, well, who knows? I'm probably just thinking at the time that Parramatta are probably oh going to pro, oh be ordinary. I didn't oh think God. Parramatta oh were going to be half
1: decent. So one of his daughters goes for Parramatta. One of them goes for the West Tigers. He goes for Parra. And I'm just going to be the neutral, having a few brewskis on Easter Monday. Yeah, well, It's going to be tops.
2: I'm still probably going to try and scrounge. Can't wait. Time, but I'll see how I go. But yeah, there you go. Reviews of the games from the weekend. Uh, we'll jump into some fan questions now, Boxhead. What do you reckon? Let's do it. Because I'm hungry. What have I got here? Brad Millen. This one's not football related, but he always comes up with funny every single week. I enjoy these. If given a hall pass by the missus, which one and why? All in their peak prime. Julia Roberts, Sharon Stone, Halle Berry, or Burt Reynolds. (laughs) Uh, Um, Halle Berry. You're a funny man. You're a funny man. Uh, I might have to go to Julia Roberts. Sharon Stone, early doors as well, though. That's a tough one. They're
1: all old birds, man.
2: Yeah, but he's saying in their prime, Matt. That's the whole point. Yeah, I don't know.
1: They're like, that'd be a question for our dad. They're all like old chicks, man. Oh, well. Give us some young girls.
2: Classic, Brad. Robert Cadero, without looking at the points table, who would be your Dalian player of the year after five rounds? Kiri. Kiri or Tedesco so far have been exceptional, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to say Kiri and Munster after his first couple of games. But overall, those two head to head. Yeah, Kiri at this point. Mark Hindle, where's the best penthouse accommodation close to Olympic Park for me to host a Raiders grand final party?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, getting
2: excited early. Super. I'm, I'm happy for you and all the Raiders fans, champion. I'm not too familiar with Olympic Park. I think Boxman Union. Yeah, the Pullman. There you go, the Pullman. Pullman's the, Pullman the one. Or the, I think the Origin right players there. all out yeah, yeah, yeah. there, so yeah. the Pullman's probably your best bet. Yeah.
1: Or the Novotel. They're right next to each other.
2: There you go. The Spray says, as many punters had Newcastle, Penrith, Cows and Bronx as lock-ins for the eight. Which of those teams miss out and which teams replace them in the eight? Well, I didn't have Newcastle in. Uh, the Cowboys I. I just had in and Penrith I did have in, but definitely not as a lock. The Broncos were the only team out of those I was really confident of. Yeah. Which of those teams miss out? Well, at this point in time, you'd have to say that the Cowboys with the injuries and the position they're in. I, I know it's hard to say you'd put a pen through someone, but I'd be almost willing to put a pen through the Cowboys. I don't think they're going to be able to fix it in time and I still think they're going to have guys featuring Origin, which is going to hurt them. Yeah, uh, Just because of, you know, Michael Morgan's probably going to play. I don't know if they pick Cooper or not. I don't know if they pick Hess, but they've got a real shortage of forwards. And even with their own side, they're struggling. So I, I, I think...
1: They are struggling.
2: They're, they're the one for me that's going to really hurt. Newcastle... At, the, at, at
1: this point in time, right now, gun to my head, who would I who would I say I'm very, very confident would make the eight? The Broncos. The rest of those... Newcastle, Penrith and, and the Cowboys, I wouldn't have in my eight right now. There you go. Based on what the way they're playing.
2: Big, big. Uh, the resurrection of Frizz's nuts at Janice Matthias. I love the name changes every week. They're good. Uh, what have you got for us? Oh, it goes back up the top here. Sorry, it's a link of questions. I get confused when there has of people's replies. Yeah, his original question is, thoughts on Aiken to be the bench utility? Could be a hard running forward and low max to centre, or would Aiken's defence be a problem? Well, I don't see what he's really done wrong right now attacking-wise for you guys. He scored some tries. He's catch-passed. needs a little bit of work. I know everyone was bagging out that edge defensively, but I thought they were pretty good on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, new combination as well. He's been fresh off an injury. He's got a new winger outside him. That's a change in itself, and I'm pretty sure he's on Norman's edge, I think. So, again, that's a whole new edge. I wouldn't be chopping him for Zach Lomax at this point in time. They like to have an outside back bench utility for some reason. Zach Lomax is a big enough body to play the exact role you're talking about. If I yeah. want to play him just in the middle of the field or put him on an edge at the frame or size that he's got, I don't know why he'd be disturbing what Ewan Aitken does. In particular, his yardage carry. I like Zach Lomax as an out-and-out player, but the yardage carry at this point in time that you get from Ewan Aitken is well worth leaving him in the lineup. Correct. I think you guys just need to calm down a little bit. You just want to change, chop and change your team every week. Everyone's angry at Mary. A couple of good weeks. It's been good. Yeah. The defense will get better. But, yeah, his defense could use a bit of work, but it's all good. Early doors. James Hughes, are there any key changes to the Penrith starting third end you'd make to help their performances?
1: They need, a, they need a nine, but they don't have one.
2: Change? Well, I think one of the changes I thought would definitely needed to happen was Dallin going to fullback, and I thought they looked a bit better on the weekend, but ball-playing-wise still doesn't really address the issue. Uh, the nine situation, similar to Brock, I would have had Tyron May as the starting nine, but obviously that's not going to happen. That really, really hurt with him ending up in the situation he ended up and I think mean, that's it, well,
1: unless it. tomorrow Jack DeBellin gets off and gets that rule thrown but in the bin. He has
2: criminal charges though, doesn't he, against him? Is it been, that have been proven well, or so actually been charged? De yeah, no, but I think his has actually got evidence it's probably gonna get him charged. Well, so but
1: he's still not he's still not proven guilty. Well, I
2: don't think Peneriff are gonna throw him in given the situation though. I'm if just saying,
1: I, yeah, I that uh, tomorrow could change things.
2: Yeah, I think that that's the real one for me that hurt at the start of the year. When I looked at the hooking situation, I thought May would have been the guy that I probably would have plugged there. He had a background in the 20s of filling in lots of roles, but defensively, I think he would have been good enough to play in the middle and offer enough from nine. As far as the forward pack's concerned, I don't really think there's a whole lot you can change. They're lacking a bit of front row depth. Uh, yeah, there's not there's not much else you could do, to be honest. The situation kind of is what it is at this point in time. Yeah, Exactly. Calvin Hewitt, what adjustment to the Warriors staff apart from the coach needs to change to get their attitude right? Also, why is it that we are seeing so many bad ankle injuries so early in
1: the year? Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a strange one.
2: Yeah, there's been a couple of... Cra- a few of them have been just freak accidents. Like Aiden Guerra, twisting. And like you saw Dylan Napper last week with his ankle, or lower leg injury where he planted and twisted and fell backwards. There's been a couple that are just exceptionally awkward to watch on, on camera. The Nene McDonald one, again, freak accident. Just the weight of another man hitting his leg while it was planted in the ground. Um, it's just been some bad luck. It's been some real bad luck. Adjustments to the Warriors staff. Well, they've just re-signed Cooney. He's been their longest serving coach. So I don't think anything's changing there.
1: No, I don't think so. He's talking about backroom staff. I think their backroom staff's pretty good. They've got Corvo over there.
2: They've only just changed. I um, think their high performance unit wouldn't change. Stacey Jones been upgraded. Uh, I think, I'm not Have the, they still got Cappy there? No, he moved on. He's oh. back at Canberra. Yeah, so, there
1: you go. Some of these guys just get jobs forever, don't they?
2: I don't, I don't think a lot would change, mate, unfortunately. I think the attitude just comes internally in the side and closing out the game. They, they look very, very good in that game, but at the back end, it's, it's on the players to hold the ball, complete their sets and stay in the game, and unfortunately, uh, they didn't do that. I thought there were some positive signs out of young Tevita Harris uh, in that game showed some positive stuff considering Blake well, he's Green he's going to
1: get better the more time and exposure he gets in first grade he's going to get better
2: considering Blake Green was out Obviously.
1: oh that was that was a huge yeah. um, load to
2: shoulder and that's kind of the way to close games out like we're talking about so yeah Gavin at Ernie says the, the weakest piss sanction for the eye gouging will. I think we've addressed that yeah it is weakest piss
1: you're spot on yeah
2: plenty of people would agree with the champion I think we addressed that one pretty well but uh, whether they're teammates or not for Queensland, I think the NRL shouldn't care about
1: that, that shouldn't count for no, shit. That, that's, they're playing that's, that's on the different NRL. teams that's in the NRL's job what to what come in joke. and say
2: we don't care whether you want to uh, you know, make a formal complaint or not. We saw what we saw. Yeah. So something should have been done. Daniel Friend says the Knights attack is suffering from the team having the slowest play the ball in the competition. How would you rectify this?
1: Well you got, there's got to be a priority to get up and play the ball a little bit quicker, but Spoke you've, also, you've also got to push and have numbers around the ball and be a little bit more expansive with the way you're playing. If you're predictable, they're going to get numbers in and, and slow your ruck down.
2: Yeah. So And this is what we're talking about before. Compared to Manly, where there's push off the ruck and both Coruscant and Farnu take the markers out of the equation and work their forwards over the advantage line and get them going forward. Newcastle, it's generally straight off the deck, or if Danny Levi picks it up, he's running. He doesn't really manipulate the ruck that much. The forwards have no push with him, by that, I mean, if me and Brock are going in the line, I start out, say, on the B or C defender and have the ball in two hands and him supporting me. As a mini-line or a ruck, like the first three defenders, they have to be accountable for me and Brock. I can try and get myself between defenders. If you're doing what Newcastle is doing at the moment, which is just going one out, straight off the deck, off the hooker, tucking on your arm, running to three defenders, you're never going to win a ruck. No. So they need to mix that up. More push, more variety around the ball, getting wider, change the point of attack. They're just crashing one out back into the same ruck. By changing the point of attack we also mean changing where the play the ball is so you don't keep running back into the same run. That's what the Bulldogs did really well last week against Melbourne, I thought. Mm. To stay away from that wrestle and not get trapped into that uh kind of, you know, set up in the middle there. But yeah, something needs to change with their middles.
1: Yeah, it does, absolutely.
2: Paul Wainwright says, As coaches, do you see teams using analytics more these days in coaching? It's huge in the US and some European sports, but not sure how widely used it is in oh, the league. We use a heap
1: of it. Absolute heap of it. Even at 16s, 18s level, we use a heap of it. So, analytics?
2: do we mean... No, I don't think we use it in comparison to, say, like a baseball where it's like this guy gets on base and not looking at the physical attributes compared to players. I, I still think a lot of rugby league as well, far as recruitment. Who talking
1: to. I, I know f- from my perspective... There are a few different things that I like to see out of players and I spreadsheet that um, every week in terms of data and tackle efficiency and minutes and um, impact on game in terms of work rate per minute. Um, Supports, push. I call them feet through ball, um, FTB. So there's just different things that I spreadsheet that I value and different coaches will value different things. Having spent some time, like I spent a a 10-year period at Penrith um, and saw each each first-grade coach that comes in has a different philosophy and a different, I guess, a, a couple of different stats that they like to take and a different a couple of different things they like to value. So obviously they'll come into the analytics in terms of selections and what type of players you're looking to recruit. Uh, I spent a short amount of time at the Roosters, um, about a month there, but um, got to see a little bit about what, what they're doing and um, it's different. Again, very different to... Penrith, and when you're looking at from a development perspective and an analytics perspective, they probably don't have a lot of data because they don't. More often than not, they're buying juniors, aren't they? They don't have juniors there that they can sort of pick from themselves. Look, they're going off more.
2: I'm saying though, it's still at the end of the day for a lot of junior players who are looking at footballers' stats or not. They buy the stats. You, you can, can there's,
1: there's databases. You can buy the stats for the 16s and 18s that are that are there. NRL stats. Those games are coded, so you can the roosters can go and get those stats and see who's. Um, doing well yeah, in the in the this also categories comes, that they want it they value. This so, still comes
2: back to the argument I had though of the eye test when we were talking about a Tarmulalo the other year compared to a Woods. when I mean, people are like, "Oh, the numbers," I'm like, "Well, the numbers don't speak." The to numbers mean shit.
1: But what I'm saying is, yeah. is that if you're trying to split two players and they're fairly similar, then analytics are valuable. Analytics are valuable when you're trying to justify putting a player in, in terms of um, work rates and things like that. For me as a coach, when I'm looking at the team that I've got, I don't think it's a massive tool for recruitment. But I could be wrong. I, I I value the eye test. I'm with you. Yeah,
2: um, no, I'm not saying it's all. But eye even test, but even still. even now,
1: you know, we've seen in the last 12 months. You know, we had Ivan at the West Tigers, and now you've got mm. Michael Maguire and there's been a there's been a bit of a shift there in terms of the values and the things that Michael McGuire um, likes to see in the junior players and the way he likes to develop players and the type of player he's looking for. There's been a clear shift. Mm. It, uh, uh, is, is Ivan any better than Madge or is Madge any better than Ivan no the philosophies are just different the type of play they want is different because the style of play that they want to play is different um, so yeah I, I think there's a there's a heap that gets used I don't think there's a heap that's spoken about I think if you get someone like Trent Robinson you know on 360 he, he talks he's an intellect and he'll talk to you about that sort of thing but I don't think there's a platform in the mainstream media particularly on TV for analytics and that type of chat I don't think there's enough intelligent people on TV to tell the fans about how analytics work. That would be my take on it.
2: Fair enough. I still don't think this is why the users is in the US and other it's sports. It's not. But I don't think it's as critical to a rugby league as it is to, say, a baseball or some other sports. That's what I'm saying. But
1: you're kidding yourself if in 10 years you don't think it's going to grow. Oh, I'm not saying Once there's more years, data and... But I still
2: don't think it's as important for particular sports or certain games as compared to, say, a baseball where analytics for some is is everything. Or for basketball now they're talking about for everything for everything because it was it was
1: made popular by Moneyball. Not every team would be using it as widely as some others. Um, and rugby leagues the same. It depends on if you've got a stack of juniors there, then you know are you using it a lot? I don't know. And is it a, is it a tool for recruitment retention, or is it a, is it a t- is it a performance tool? You're looking at different things, different horses for different courses.
2: Yeah. The Buckster, Nathan Brown, can he coach? He has a good side this year, but struggling to make a dent in attack. Too many one out here. It's predictable play. Not enough second phase or ad-lib football. Thoughts, wrong game plan, or the players letting the coach down. A well, bit of is, everything. This is our argument from earlier. Uh, a bit both ways and style of play and figuring things out. It looks like it's been stripped back a little bit, and they maybe thought that they could play a little more simple and a little more structured given they've bought better players but it's that predictable that regardless to me whether the team's better or not you can't just play one out play off the back of slow play the balls and throw double block shapes with pong at the back and expect things to happen last year there was a lot more effort energy a lot more second phase football like you're talking about early shifts and you know just things going on but yeah I, I, I don't think he's a bad coach I think he's done a really good job rebuilding the roster and he needs to be given more time but more of it to me is down to the players
1: I don't think he's a bad coach I never said he's a bad coach but I think he should be under some pressure. He's had a significant amount of time there. Uh, I think the players are letting him down, yes, but they don't look organised. They don't look fit. They don't look uh, like they can execute consistently. So I've got some huge worries about the future of Newcastle. They need to turn it around real quick, and it needs to start this weekend against the
2: Titans. 100%. Jeff says, I hope you and other media start giving Canberra and the defence some credit every week. It is just Team X was so bad. Well, if you don't like what we said before, Jeff, I don't know how we can help you because we gave
1: what do you mean we're of... saying that every team's so bad no
2: uh, apparently Canberra's defence isn't good their defence the, the was other...
1: dog shit last year their, their defence at the moment is the best in the comp the numbers don't lie We, I don't have a biased opinion on Canberra at all I, I think Canberra for me have been the, them and the Warriors are almost the two most frustrating teams to try and get a read on every year because you look at their team on paper and you think they should be going a lot better than what they are but their attention to detail in the finer aspects of the game, and more often than not, the tougher aspects of the game has been poor. But this year, Canberra through the roof through five games. So, but in order to be a you yes, know a yes. top four team, you need to be consistent, and they need to do it for twenty four games in the twenty five rounds of the season, and then do it in in finals games.
2: Yep, and again, we've given them plenty of credit so far, and rightfully so. Their attitude, while
1: in their performances are good, I'll give them credit.
2: Yep, hundred percent. We're not hiding behind any other player performances or giving credit away, that's for sure. They've been great so far. Graham Wright says, expansion, why not bite the bullet and go to 20 teams, two conferences, one Sydney, one the rest, play all teams in conference. I think we've gone over this one time and time again. I love the thought, mate. Uh, And I think Brock, we've spoke about this a lot of times when people bring up expansion, but at this point in time, I think they've got to be more worried about the 16 clubs actually surviving that they've got.
1: I mean, the, the whole, the whole, the whole game doesn't have direction at the moment.
2: Nah, and this—that's good. One.
1: Asked um, Todd Greenberg, "What, what does our game look like in five years? What does our game look like in ten years?" And no one can give him an answer. That can—that's the biggest concern for me. You can talk about twenty teams, two conferences. We're going to yeah. expand here. Yeah, do his that. His idea that, here. That, the picture should be in. You know what are we now? Twenty nineteen. In twenty thirty, this is what the NRL looks like. Hundred percent. But we don't have that A blueprint. So until we have that. Forget about any anything in regards to that. And Graham, I, I love talking about all that stuff, but I've just got no faith in the administration of the game at the moment.
2: Yeah. And that's They're not organised. So not, not cutting you short, mate, and your idea here they is. They can't great. even
1: they can't even get this new rule, the stand down rule right. They're nah. in court for that. They can't even get that right, Graham.
2: And like I said before, players leaving early to go overseas and the payments set up and keeping the bottom end and encouraging some of these junior kangaroo or more talented players at better clubs not to leave to have the opportunity to stay here, develop. And become that depth and the extra players we need. But, yeah, I just think more like Brock said, there needs to be more of a blueprint. There needs to be more stability. Uh, where are we going to be with the next TV deal money-wise? With things changing with streaming service and all these bits and pieces? <laughs> are we going to be financially viable enough to be able to expand and pay all those kind of players? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks, but I think it's more what Brock said in regards to where are we going before we think about expanding. Yeah. 100% agree. We need to do it or die, as he says here, and we really appreciate Uh, You're listening to the show, mate, and all your questions. And he says at the bottom here, hashtag doing it for the fans. The fans. Laurie Daly. Thanks, Graham. Daniel Hooper, who is the most likely going to the Rabbitohs now? They've freed up the cap space. Well, all the talk has been that James Roberts is on their radar because Wayne Bennett is there. He was obviously there previously. But at this point in time, if I'm south, I'm not trying to jump the gun. uh, I think for next year haven't looked at the centre market or I don't really know who's available to be honest but I think they've definitely got a handy player in Braden Burns and they've got Dane Gagai so when I look at that and Campbell Graham and Corey Allen I look at that and say do I really want to spend a lot of money on a centre I think I've already got my back line I think I need depth but I don't think I'd go out and pay $500,000 for someone like James Roberts to me he's too inconsistent
1: that's fair so yeah. for all
2: the talk about it and people going oh that's a great idea and let's replace the centre to me you've already got your option you've got Braden Burns Burns, Gagaway, you two centers. You've got Corey Allen, who's an exceptional footballer, who's going to be good. Campbell Graham. If anything, I'm looking at that money and going, again, I might want to get a good center winger or a good utility. Maybe I'm not happy with Alex Johnston at fullback. I don't know how this year plays out. Yeah. Maybe I want to buy more forwards to show up my bench depth. That money now is invaluable for other places, but I wouldn't be panicking to go buy a center right now, and especially a top-tier center. It's not as valuable a position as we've spoke about before. Um as it used to be, to be quite honest. So yeah. this is a real good opportunity for the Rabbitohs to sit back for a little bit, reassess their side as the year goes on and put that money into other key areas, I think. Because I'd be putting my faith into brain burns. Fair. You agree with me there? There you go. Norbert Glench, who's the Blues' halves at this stage? Well, spoken early on, that, yeah. I think we've spoken about that one. But yeah, looking pretty good to be Kiri and Cody Walker. If you go off form, uh, Maloney for both of us, I think, is on the outer, just given time and service. Brett Sims, do... Players worry about their hair style more than the game plan. Uh, I think some do. Some definitely do. I don't like the top knots. No offense to people that have a top knot, but, you know, no, that, 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 really that, sure. that's a bit too much effort for a footballer and having to re-ponytail it and put it back in and all the bits and bobs. As uh, the words of the movie Big Daddy, I give you a cool cut, I think. Mm. Short and simple for rugby league. Keep yeah. it out of your eyes. Zach Maitland, if you could choose one current NR roster to take over as head coach for the next five years, who would you pick and why? Trent Robinson. The Roosters, it is a fairly handy roster. I think you're right. Uh, There's a good balance there as far as players that are. Oh, was it the
1: roster? The roster. The next five years. Yeah, Roosters, thanks.
2: I think the Roosters. uh, The other one I would be intrigued, again, uh, I know.
1: (sighs) Go on, say it. No, you're going to say. Who? Go on.
2: You thought I was going to say Melbourne. No. I'm not going to say Melbourne. No. Who do you think I was going to say? No, no. No, tell me who you think. Go, you tell me. No, you've jumped the gun, I want to know. No. Who was I going to say?
1: You go. No, say it. I know. No, you can't do
2: that. No, you don't know, because you won't tell me.
1: No. You tell me. I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you whether you're right or wrong.
2: No, because you'll just go with it. No. Tell
1: what? me. You tell me first. Go.
2: I was going to say the Sharks. No. Who do you think I was going to say?
1: Newcastle. No, definitely You love not. Newcastle.
2: I'm looking at the Sharks. Cousin I'm looking Gary. at having the two Bradley brothers. If Cousin Gary. Flanagan comes into the side. Britton Nakora, Bronson Sherry. They've got some good young players coming through that feeder system, and I think mixed him with Jack Williams, Wade Graham. Couple of Fafita and the blokes they've got there, I'd, I'd probably be moving on from Josh Dugan at some point. But I think from a junior perspective, what's coming through, uh, as long as they're financially stable, which is supposedly the key right now.
1: We need Cousin Gary and Cousin Kyle back. I Cousin want some questions from Gary. Kyle um, in regards to the Sharks. I want some questions from Gaza in regards to the Knights. Yep. I wonder if he's panicking more than me about Newcastle at the moment.
2: Fair enough. But, yeah, Zach, I think we'd both say the Roosters at this point in time right now. Zach Rivera, what's the point of team lists when there is always players we know are injured but get named? Mate, it's frustrating every week and particularly more annoying from guys that watch the NFL where they have to put them in as questionable or this, that, the other. Unless you
1: build Birichek, he does do it.
2: disclose, and when you want to bet on a game. Like, I look, and you think, yo, or someone's out with his shoulder and then they've named him, but you know he's unlikely to play. Or Ash Taylor's named at seven, but he's unlikely to play. Look, it's a mind fuck some weeks. It really is. Mm. It's really annoying for for the punter's perspective when you just want to have a punt and think you've got the, the side sorted out and then two or three blokes pull out on kickoff. Yeah. Really annoying. Hey, boys, did you see Tarmow getting the captaincy? Nice. Uh, didn't see that, James Tarmow, but I will say one thing. Well, there you go. You they're luck and leadership. You want to talk about consistency in the forward pack. I think besides James Fisher-Harris, he's been the most consistent prop so far week in, week out. Yeah. Um, he's been a veteran, he's played for Australia, he's played for New South Wales, somebody needs to take control of that side, I hope James Tarmow is the man to do it, because Penrith are underachieving badly at this point in time.
1: Fair.
2: Semi Bashford, why is there no set rule for punishment between domestic competition and international competition, is George Burgess out suspended for an incident in international competition, versus Maguire in domestic competition? George Burgess is back. I know he got suspended for international for what happened in international, but Maguire for his domestic competition. Well, it's a different set of rules. That's international rugby league and the national rugby league obviously abides by its own uh, guidelines, judiciary, and set up there. So, no, I
1: think he's saying that why was why was Burgess charged and and Maguire not? Sammy, well, the the long and short rugby the long and short of that is it, well, they both should have been. They both they were both clear offences. They both should have been penalised. The fact of the matter is the NRL's cocked up.
2: They have, but again, two different judiciaries. or doesn't yeah, matter. They've got it wrong. doesn't matter. They look at that vision
1: like me and you would and like Sammy would and go, but well...
2: That's like the rules, though. So international rules are different to NRL rules. It doesn't matter. And the, no, I'm not saying that, but also just rules in game. To Super League, to international, to the Australian not competition. Different. We do have some differences.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, but not in regards to arguing No, I'm suspension. with you 100%.
2: So, I'm saying the boards are separate. That's why the punishment's Yeah, the but you're
1: confusing what's simple. That should have been a suspension. Simple as that. Every, and everyone looking at that, or you know, from a match review uh, <clears throat> perspective, would look at that and go, that's a charge.
2: Uh, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Rob Carter, you boys ever dislocate a finger and have to have it put back in on the field? Saw them jam Mitchell Moses' finger back in. Done the same injury at part level, and a doctor had me sidelined for weeks. It is a matter of not being able to do any more damage once it's back in place. Yeah, I've
1: got one that got put back in. I, I dislocated two in a game. And got put back in There's still a lump there But only only did it once And it was two at the one time
2: Well basically what you just said then They only put it back in If they think they can get it back in If it looks like it could be A compound fracture Or something bad They don't try and stick it back in They just well, go straight that.
1: off Looks like I've got an like extra finger Trying to grow out of one of mine It's not as bad as Brian Fletcher's but Well
2: I've had both cool my man. thumbs come out But you can't even see it Both of them have come back out and gone straight back in Or I've had a trainer just yank one And it's slotted lot of straight back in But I have no after effects Feels terrible, but basically, yeah. If it, you better be hoping you've got a qualified orange shirt or someone when they get a yank on it. If you have some random at park football come up, yeah, I wouldn't be letting him touch me hands. That's for sure. Daniel Ryan says the best pack in the comp or the most feared. Yes, I'm biased, but the Dragons pack is scary. Adding Corbin Sims and potentially DeBell and crapping my pants. Yeah. Scariest pack in the comp. They're a pretty good forward pack. I'd have to say that Melbourne's starting pack's pretty good. If you look at Bromwich, Nelson, Asafa solomona Dale and Felice Cafusi, as far as what they've got in their pack. Uh, at the moment, I think Canberra obviously doing a pretty good job with an underrated pack. I don't know if they, I'd say they're the most feared pack. I
1: don't have a real standout at, at this point in time. You'd probably say Melbourne... I mean, the, Roosters. The, the Roosters
2: are still underrated as a yeah. forward pack. I don't know about fear. There's a
1: reason why they're up the top of the comp. But as much
2: talent in their pack. When they're full strength, To have Toki Aho and, you know, Jared Reha, Greg. Jared's Crichton, crazy, crazy man. Crichton, Cordner, Liu, and then to have their bench still with Ted Avano and a couple of guys they do. I think they've got the most talent as far as forward depth is concerned, and Radley's an impact player. Mm. all this in the play background. I think they've probably got the most talented forward pack, but... Fear, I think fear, like, again, with the way defences and things are these days, there's not as much fear as far as forward pack's are concerned. No, it's but, fair. Yeah. South, again, pretty good forward pack, but, yeah, each their own. You could argue all day about that one. Andrew Wales says, Gutherson to the Rabbits, question. Parrot in trouble with no Fergo. question, and sharks dropping like flies. But where can the Broncos find a real seven? Seriously, they lack direction. Gutherson to the Rabbitohs, again, uh... doubtful of that situation unless they wanted to push Alex Johnson to the wing or get rid of him altogether. What money would they be willing to pay? I'm not 100% sure. Parra in trouble without Ferguson. It definitely hurts their set starts if he's out but by all indications, he will play this week. It depends whether he's got fractured ribs or not but uh, again, don't know the results of that one. If it's just the nose, he'll be right to go. Sharkies, yeah it has been a hard time and the Broncos. I don't think they're going to panic about behind a 7 and I said this the other week and Brock was here when I was talking about it. They've got two good halves coming through. Uh, Are they disappointed with the way things are going right now? Yes, but they're not going to go spend money unnecessarily on a halfback. because Tom. what they
1: should have done. What? Kept Ben Hunt.
2: They should have kept Ben Hunt a couple of years ago, no doubt about it. But with what they've got coming, I don't think they're going to spend money now. Tom Dearden, 18-year-old Queensland Australian schoolboy representative and Tanner Boyd are both highly sought after halfbacks. One just played his first game at Queensland Cup last week as an 18-year-old and got mad at the match. Would I throw him in this year? Definitely not. But as far as next year's concerned, if this year goes wrong, I'm not panicking and going to buy a halfback.
1: I'll tell you the difference. They're unproven. I get that. The first but they're actually the
2: halfbacks. They're not two sixes. So I think they're pretty happy with the stuff. I
1: I'd rather have. That's going to be one that's going to hurt them for a little while anyway, I think.
2: Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Long-term with those two guys. But Tom Lacey, which team has surprised you the most this season, good and bad? Well, clearly Newcastle's been disappointing. I think the Cowboys surprised me. But again, they've had a hard start with injuries and obviously Ben Barber not being there. Most surprised as far as good is concerned, probably the Eels and the Raiders. I thought the, the Raiders could be on the border of the eight, but I didn't expect them to be as good as they are, especially defensively and their attitude and their efforts so far. They've been real relentless and Parramatta, I had to win the spoon. I just thought with a young spine, that forward pack, a lot of guys that had a poor year last year, they wouldn't live up or aim up. And so far they really have. They've had a complete attitude flip as well. Yeah. Anyone for you or
1: similar teams? Disappointing. Um, disappointing would be Penrith. Brisbane Newcastle uh surprising would be Canberra Canberra would have been my biggest surprise
2: yeah yeah Black Dixon, one for you, boxhead tell me why the Titans have fucked me for a second straight week stop betting on the Titans that's probably yeah. my recommendation
1: stop betting on footy full stop I can't pick one at the moment so I don't think anyone's. I had uh, two good. multis go down by one leg again so
2: both mine went down kick I've been burned twice on kickout I didn't have him as a bet the week before but we were at that Panthers game we went to I bet kick out try win Comes out during the week, he scored a try and they didn't refer it. Yeah. So I missed out on cash.
1: But that's gambling.
2: This week I bet on him again, thinking sporting can't we'll balance it out. Score's a good try. Penrith can't win.
1: You should have backed him to score, you fool.
2: Mate, I wanted the $5. Yeah, of not, you're not 220 not greedy. No. You're greedy. Man. Penrith should have won that game. <laughs> well, they didn't. I know they didn't win. So you got no money So buddy. I'm going to go in
1: for a third week. Yeah, good <laughs> on you.
2: <now. laughs> David Asik says GI being able to retire, then immediately step into a role where he could still collect a salary and gifting South Cat relief for $1.5. Or one and a half years This one everyone's blowing up about
1: but, I don't get it I don't get why people are blowing up about it
2: This is my whole point For a lot of people I don't know Paul Kent said it the other night And a couple of people were questioning it This happens all the time This already happens To this extent in your salary cap What benefit is to South right now? Mm-hmm. None They don't have Greg Inglis And they can't replace him With a player of the same quality If they brought somebody in They're not going to bring Greg Inglis in as far as the cap relief, well, the guys decided to give up the money. What the NRL and what South decide to pay him outside of that doesn't matter because as far as what they're going to spend on their salary cap or moving forward, they still need to find a player to replace him with. Mm. They're not going to get Greg Inglis back. And as far as this being an advantage, it's not an advantage. Clubs do this all the time as far as getting players to retire injured or hurt and find them jobs or find ways to get them off the contract because otherwise they wouldn't retire. He could have possibly just sat there and collected his money anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw it in Canberra. We had a guy be our 20s coordinator or guidance person because he had a bad ankle injury and there's no other way around it. So they released him from his contract. He agreed to release of the contract and they gave him a job for three or four years to pay him. Todd Larry got a coaching gig straight up at Newcastle after some injuries and other bits and pieces. I'm not questioning his ability as a coach, but basically that was a job given to step out of the squad to free up catch base and the NRL side of things. It happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like people go, Oh they've got this massive cap win for. Like, what are they doing with it right now? What good is it to them?
1: It's no good to them
2: No good to them In Simple. the, the off season, they might buy someone, sure, but it's not going to be Greg Inglis. It's not helping uh, them right now. No. Nah, no, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and if
1: they, even if they, there's talk they're going to go and buy James Roberts. I'd rather fit Greg Inglis and James Roberts. So even if they get James Roberts, to me, they're still lost. And
2: again, I have other areas, like I said to you, I'd rather focus on with Burns and Gagai and that. And I might buy a center or some outside back depth, but I wouldn't be keen to pay James Roberts five six $600,000. Mm. That's just my opinion. Uh, ben Rangawa says, What does Carter have over Kearney? So clearly not happy with Solomon and Carter's performances so far. I don't think he's got anything over Kearney. Obviously, he's persisting with him. They swapped him to the right side of the field, which is his preferred side as far as his carry, his fend and his ball play. But I don't think he's the only warrior who's got some problems at the moment, mate, unfortunately. There's a couple of guys underperforming. I think Fussy Tua hasn't been as good as far as yardage. Hicku's been hit and miss. uh, Those guys need to take out a page out of Rogers' book, I think, and just have more energy and more effort week in, week out. Dom Coogan says the 2020 replacement for G.I. Gartherson, Hain, Oates, James Roberts, or will they upgrade their current roster? I would front end contracts this year. Yeah, it's not
1: a bad idea if they've got cap room.
2: If they've got cap room, yeah, they could make some moves. I think I haven't looked at the situation as far as who's off contract for Souths or who isn't, but I'm pretty sure they've got those spine players locked up for the most part long-term now. We obviously know that Cook got upgraded. Semi staying around for a while. One of his brothers is off contract. I don't know whether they'll move to keep. I think it was George or not. I think Tom's locked in for a few more years now. But Braden Burns is one I'd be looking to keep uh, with a, you know, a bit of an upgrade, nothing too crazy. Other than that, I don't think they've got a, a much else to worry about. They can monitor the Gutherson situation if they're not happy with Johnston and tell Johnston he can take a hike. I don't think Johnston's been too bad so far, though. And again, price-wise, value-wise, age, what I can keep him for, what I can get Gutherson for. They're reportedly asking for $800,000. I'm not sure if South would want to put $800,000 into Guths and why they've got Johnston on a lot less than that. So uh, I'd, I'd just be looking to upgrade my rostering, to be honest. Ben Gnomes, Rooms now missing Inglis and Holmes and are losing a lot of strike power. Who do you see stepping up and filling their spots? Well, outside back depth is a real issue, and I had a look at this the other day for their perspective. With Inglis now out of the picture and Chambers not having a great year last year, they don't really have much choice for outside backs. Two guys that would have been in contention to fill a wing spot would have been Nene McDonald, who just got injured for Queensland, and Kyle Feld, who still is injured. Corey Oates, you'd assume, would be on one wing, Gagai and Chambers. But the other winger, I I don't know. They've got a hole there. Mm. And the options aren't that plentiful because if you look at who's eligible actually play for Queensland. We're talking Justin O'Neill, who's not playing first grade. Dale Copley, who's in and out. Heimel Hunt, who's been in and out for most of his career. Moga's playing cup. Tom Gemma Gemahet Shibasaki who can barely play games yet. Hampton, Marion Seve, Edric and Branko Lee, Philip Sammy, Jarvid Bowen, Corey Allen, who's just come in. There's not probably the only guy who's playing consistent, good first grade right now is Corey Thompson. Yeah. But their actual backline options right now and consistent first graders is not very big in the outside backs. Mm-hmm. And their forward pack isn't going much better uh, at this point in time. Certainly not struggling for halves and hookers, but yeah, those injuries and that retirement, that certainly doesn't help, that's for sure. Dexter Hohoi, a lot of people on the GI bandwagon, says where does he stack up in the list of greats? Well, we think. Well, he's I, I think he's potentially the best center. He's the seen. best
1: modern center. Um, I think... Would you say he's Ah, uh, that's that's. This is an of, argument I mean, a lot of people have. I think there's a. It depends on where that concept's going. If it's going to be really, really tight and really, really exclusive, I think he's in the conversation. Um, if if they're going to expand it a little bit, I, I think he's he's clearly in. I would say the top ten players or top five players in this decade. Would you not say that from the period from twenty ten to um, 2019. Is he one of the best five players in that period?
2: 2010 to 2019. Smith, Slater, Thurston. Thurston. You can make an argument for Cronk, maybe not on ability, but he's winning.
1: That's uh, what I'm saying. That that's sort of was still playing yeah, like, at
2: some point there. Like,
1: and some of these guys obviously cross into 2000 to 2010. Uh, so, like for me, in a, in a, to me, a mortal is probably if you're the best, one of the best five players for a, a period of ten years. Within the game, I think you can then sort of say, "Well, I'm, I'm an immortal," or at least in the
0: conversation. I think also the position
2: as well, or like still, I think from an outside back perspective, there hasn't been many better outside backs to ever play the game. No. So I think in that sense, definitely could be
1: considered. He's in the conversation.
2: Um, his effect on you know all the teams he's played in, and at a rep level, he was exceptional. Mm. He's a great player, no doubt about it. Luke Smith says the same thing about James Tamao being the captain. What are your thoughts on teams having multiple captains, co-captains? I get it, but surely the six we had is way too many. It's more a leadership group they tend to have, and a lot of teams do have them. But, yeah, there does need to be one lead voice from that setup, and that goes back to, I guess, what Brock said before about Penriff not really having an identity or a leader, or someone taking accountability for the actions. and. Probably more disappointing. I know they don't have a lot of older heads, but a guy like James Maloney as a half and an origin player would be the one I'd kind of want that. But I think that kind of more speaks to what we said at the start of the year. I don't think he's going to see out any more of his contract beyond this year. Yeah. And, yeah, well, I think that, that is a bit of an issue for them. But leadership groups internally at the club, no problem with. But on field, has to be a whole and sole leader, a captain. You need someone who's going to lead, from the, by example, from the front every single week. Thomas Fawn brings up that Newcastle number nine. How much time do you give for potential to come good? Well, Danny Levi's well it's and truly into, you know, like years and years. We're not talking a year or two now. Danny Levi's been playing first grade for almost four years. I think for them, it's addressing the issue. They've brought in hope, hit and hope with Zach Wolford, who's played cup and come from a twenty setup, and he's okay, but I don't think he's a first grader. Kurt Mann, they're trying to manufacture him in a nine. Can he defend in the middle? I'm not so sure about that. He's never played there previously. Like, there's there's too many just patch up jobs there or hitting hopes. You need to be certain. I think out of anyone right now, I'd probably play Connor Watson there over anybody else. But it doesn't look like that's the direction they're going. And nine's on the market. There's not a whole lot of hope. Probably the most sought after nine on the market right now is Reese Robson at the Dragons, whose path is blocked by Cam McInnes, who's been the gun coming through for New South Wales and the Junior Kangaroos. But again, he's only played a handful of games. He's been good at cup level. But how much do you have to pay to get in there? Will he move to your club? Does he solve your problem? I don't know. We haven't Mm -hmm. seen him play in our first grade yet. Drew Bagatella says, Game of the year coming this week with the Storm and the Chooks. Chooks to win by 10. Thoughts on their start to the year? Considering the injuries, it's been a great start to the year. I I don't think they've been awfully consistent in some of the games. They just find a way to win. And they've overcome adversity, and that shows a quality side. The individual talent is ridiculous. Some of the moments where they've clicked and put it together, like the blitz on the weekend or the blitz at the back end of the para game, they're going to get Jared back. The halves are going to get better the more they play together. Does Ryan Hall or Brett Morris hold that wing spot? Does Ikevallu, you know, keep those guys out? I'm not 100% sure. Jake Friend isn't playing at the moment. That puts Radley back to the bench. It gives him a better bench impact. You can shuffle the forward pack with different players to play tight and play edges. That Their squad is just ridiculous. It really is. Cam Irving is asking, how is that GI ambassador role any different from what the Tigers are getting punished or for promising a similar post-playing day to Farrah? Seems the Tigers have been getting shafted big time. PF's refs were shit house in the Cowboys' storm, but at least they come out and admitted it. It's not fair on the refs that the Lions escaped punishment when it was her duty to pull the play up.
1: Yeah, I, I said that before. I think they all should have been dropped.
2: Yeah. That as far as the Robbie Farah thing or whatever was promised there I don't know if they did declare all that mm-hmm. wasn't that the whole problem in the first place that this money was guaranteed that needed to I be I don't know I, I think, I think don't the, know. the issue from what I understand mate, and I don't 100% know but at the it time was
1: promises made he the way
2: retired. I understood it was it was promises made he hadn't retired and it wasn't in writing or declared to the NRL yet the NRL has obviously picked up on it all and kind of come after him in that sense which is what they're fighting right now so it seemed like you know a bit of behind the scenes backwork to get money out of the cap, or maybe get get him out of there a bit earlier. As far as this is concerned, a bloke's just retired, mutually been released from his contract, and they can employ him to do whatever he wants because he's no longer part of the salary cap. It's not a salary cap dump; they gain no advantage. Everyone keeps talking like they're gaining an advantage from this. They've lost Greg Inglis, so there's no advantage, and they can't replace him with a player of his quality right now. Nor may there be one in the market next year. But he had to mutually agree, like anyone, to be released from his contract and retire and four for that money. How they get it back to him doesn't matter. If they want to sign him as an ambassador, an assistant coach, or whatever moving forward, he's going to get the money whether people like it or not. They can employ him to do whatever they want. The South Cares Program, he'll have a number of roles to make that money. Yeah, He's not going to be short out of pocket, but he's not going to be getting seven, eight $800,000 a year. It'll be spanned out over a long period of time. But yeah, I don't read too much into it. Matty West says, a $2.50 fine for eye gouging. So obviously another person who's not too happy. Uh, yeah with what happened in regards to and
1: fair to, enough too yeah. I'm not happy about it
2: and the last one we've got here a couple of people it's again, been a
1: million questions tonight I know that
2: a lot of people again asking about all the bits and pieces of the Greg English we've done a heap of those so we'll move on but the last one we've got is Chris Cohen and he says Clint Gutherson solid first grader but no rep player what do you think he's worth on the open market it seems like he might be holding Parra to ransom and if so is it in Parra's best interest not to sign him well I think the first offer of 400,000 I don't agree with and we spoke about this marquee players or like the best players in the game. There's only a handful that I'd pay a million dollars. As far as fullbacks are concerned, though, and value on the open market. Good fullbacks probably worth six, seven hundred thousand.
1: Mm. You so, see the one from Mike Wood there asking look. who's going to finish lower. I
2: thought it was another one for GI
1: Leeds or um, Leeds or the Titans. He said.
2: Oh, well, there you go. So he he got. I, it think, I
1: think Leeds will finish lower than the Titans will. They are sucking at the moment.
2: Well, I haven't seen much of the Super League, but the first few games that I did watch, they weren't looking overly impressive. I must And he's think.
1: strapping on the boots for the Amsterdam Cobras, I think they're called, over there. And he was saying that they're selling beers over there for two euros. Mate. Is that cheap? Yeah, 100% that's cheap. That's so, cheap. That's like he was three saying bucks. Any, any of the, anyone going over to Amsterdam, rugby league nuts, that want to get to a game.
2: Well, there you go. But back to the question. Clint Guthson, how much would you pay him? I, I think in between what he's after would be roughly what I'd be going for. If they're asking for eight hundred thousand, Parramore offered four hundred. I think that's a bit of a low ball. I think we offered it. him
1: five. It was said. And I think they're, they're, they're looking it, to upgrade. To no, five. I think they've upped it to six. Today, I wouldn't pay him any more than six.
2: I think six six fifty would be my absolute maximum. But yeah,
1: I would be You can get it. money, more money elsewhere. Good luck to you. But for yeah. Parramatta, they've got to stay within the constraints, and that's how you get yourself into salary cap trouble.
2: I definitely wouldn't be paying him eight hundred thousand. That's for sure. No, particularly
1: no, like. with his injury history as well.
2: Yeah, he's had a couple injuries. Manly are apparently interested, but again, like I said last week, don't understand that one for me as far as fitting in at six or one or where you play him and the money you're going to have to pay him Mm. uh, with Tom Tchavoriewicz there. So that one I find a bit strange, but there you go. Heaps of fan questions. Thanks for those. Uh, And moving on now to our tips. Best bets, gossip, all the good bits and bobs brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Their best bet on the weekend, Canberra minus four and a half. Come up trumps. So they're two from three with the best bets. If you haven't seen... The promo offer there, still for that package, you can get a $100 discount off the total amount. So basically, I think it's pretty much your first month free. Sign up for that one. Take the code there on the Pro Sports Syndicate website. Look for those links. They had a huge week this week. They sent through to us. They were 10 of 13 with their tips and with their units. Unit is like one bet, I guess. You'd explain Well, a unit,
1: right. is, unit is whatever your are gambling. You are betting. So they so bet $100 if if, a unit. If a unit to me is I'm going to have a, a $10 bet, you yeah. know, that would be one unit. If I then win 30, I've had a three unit return, if that makes sense. So I'm plus two units on that bet. Cool. So it's just in comparison to what you're betting and what your return is.
2: Yeah. Well, this week, they obviously had a pretty hefty return. They were 10 from 13 with their tips. Yeah. And uh, putting that in is a huge 14.88. So they made $1,400 profit this week, but they were betting $100 per pop. Correct. So a good return for them this week. Better form than most of us without tipping the way things are. So if you're a punter on the rugby league, like we said, follow that link, find that, take that $100 discount, jump on board. If you don't get a profit this year for the year, you get the package free next year. Valued at $800. So keep your eyes open for those best bets, promo links, any sign ups. But yeah, huge week for them. Best bet 10 from 13. Good well, if, anyone,
1: if anyone just jumped on for last week and gambled, if, if, yeah. you're, if you're betting 50 or 100 a unit, you've just paid for the package mm. in that week.
2: And even if With you're interest, in you've interest you've probably smaller amounts, you've yeah. covered probably a couple of months worth of your subscription. Yeah. And if you keep winning from there on out and they do get a profit, you're gonna finish. With that of sort it.
1: of form, you'd be mad not to sign up.
2: So doing very well, the boys at the Pro Sports Syndicate. Big thank you to them for coming back on board. From Mr. Gossip, brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. His news this week. One, no surprise, as we talked about, links between James Roberts and South Sydney because of Wayne Bennett and his relationship. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But I he's still- already
1: been punted from that club, hasn't he?
2: Yeah. A long time ago, under twenties time, so we're talking almost eight or nine years ago. But I stick by what I said before. I wouldn't be spending that kind of money on James Roberts. I'd be happy
1: letting go from Brisbane. I got Stags there, See you later.
2: Stags, and you've already got Bird getting a lot of money, so that kind of balanced the books a little bit better in that situation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't know about that one for South fans, let us know how you feel about that one. Next one, the Dragons having a sniff around Herman S. who I'm very surprised isn't getting around for yeah, Newcastle.
1: Just, something's going on there. There was
2: talk he was homesick and he wanted to go back to New Zealand, but if I'm uh in the market for a Ford and obviously the Dragons have got some room or need someone else right now, I thought he was one of the best forwards I'd rather
1: SESE than Meron.
2: hundred percent. And I said this to a couple of people that brought up the Marin thing. What are you paying him? How long do you have to pay him for? How is his form and he was here? How's he coming back? Is he gonna buy into the team? Is he gonna be an individual? I'd much rather Herman. I reckon I can get him with the uh, Newcastle Knights to pay a chunk of the the salary cap for me. So not a bad move there, I think, if the Dragons can make that happen, but see what happens. And the last one, the Dragons again, Trent Barrett. And I find this one extremely strange. They're looking to bring him on board with the coaching staff. And apparently, according to Mister Gossip, it's the Dragons board that are very keen to do so and any opportunity to put pressure on Mary McGregor, which to me makes no sense. I think he's unfairly hammered at times. Um, he's already, And the other thing is the assistants they've already got. They've got Crawley from Canberra, who's an attacking coach, Ben Hornby and Dean Young already on the start. How many bloody assistants can you hook around him? How many players people can you put around him? And let's be I honest, with, with the way... He's a former I get worse. that, but, and he's a former player of the club, but given his situation at Manly, and the way things finished there and how that turned out, I don't know why, of all people, I'd be looking to put him in that position or if Mary went... Signing Barrett as the next coach—you
1: won't get an argument out of me. The
2: other thing about that is the consensus around the group. I know a lot of people say that shouldn't be up to the players. It shouldn't but...
1: be coming in now.
2: No, nah, it makes no sense at all. They're talking that it'll happen mid-year after his contract kind of thing runs out at Manly, yeah. which to me just seems awfully strange. Really, really strange. But oh well, that's all the gossip for this week. Uh, our best bets: Brock, both gone. Both of your multi's. Went down. Uh, I had the Eels. That obviously went down. I had out try a win. He scored, but he didn't win. So none from 10, not a great start. And I'm three from 10, but we're just going to keep swinging. And we're going to be honest, because we don't lie. It is what it is. We've had a rough start, but we're going to keep throwing punches.
1: Yeah, I had a good week in the tips, don't think.
2: You did have a good week. You got six in the tips. I got four. Mr. Gossip got five. So we are now equal on 22. You've clawed your way back in there, and Mr. Gossip's kicked away. He's on twenty four. But moving on to the tips for this week, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, is Sharks-Panthers first game Thursday night at Shark Park or Points Bet Stadium at the Priz. Good luck with this one. Paul Gowan is supposed to come back, but he was supposed to come back last week and pull it out, which will push Jack Williams back to the bench and Braden Uweli out of the side for the Penrith side of has things.
1: Has Fafida been named?
2: Yes, he has been named. But again, he's anywhere from one to six weeks, I heard, so God knows what's going to happen there. For the Panthers... Regan Campbell-Gillard's relegated to the bench. In his place, Tim Grant is starting in the front row after returning last week in the New South Wales Cup. Wade Egan comes straight back in to start at hooker, and is back to the bench.
1: I'm going to tip the Sharks with absolutely no faith. I just... Penrith need to prove it to me before I'm going to bloody put my money where my mouth is with them.
2: Well, I'm doing the same because it's at Shark Park, and apparently, Fafita's playing, they've got him in no doubt here, but I heard otherwise, so... Really, really hard. But even if he is out, I, I thought last week, you know, they, they obviously got blown away in that kind of short spell of time. But for big periods of that game, I thought they were in it. And Penrith is still showing no signs of improvement. This is a real big week for Penrith. This impressive. is a real big week given the circumstances. Mr. Gossett, he's also on the Sharks. Not too happy uh, as a Penrith fan. I bet with the way things have been going so far, and the odds of the Pro Sports Syndicate: a dollar seventy for the Sharks, two fifteen for the Panthers, minus two and a half. The line one to twelve sharks two eighty three thirty five panthers thirteen plus sharks three forty six dollars for the panthers dogs south as far as the dogs are concerned only one change this week Danny Fulalo comes into the bench for Suaso Sue he got charged twice for dangerous contact on players legs so yeah not a great week for him there the Rabbitohs slight alteration George Burgess to start Tola back to the bench Kyle Turner holds his spot in the centres. Uh, this one's pretty easy for me. I, I don't think they'll be able to overcome South. The dogs. I think this one could, could get quite ugly. Mr. Gossip agrees. Uh, he is on South as well. This is my first bet of the week. Souths thirteen plus. I think they're going to belt cool. the dogs on Good Friday. Sorry, doggies fans. The price for the Pro Sports Syndicate: a dollar thirty-five favorite. The Bulldogs three twenty minus eight and a half. The line one to twelve dogs four seventy-five three dollars. For the bunnies, 13 plus for the dogs, $8.225 for the bunnies. My first best bet. Storm Roosters, an absolute cracker, hopefully in the making on Friday night. Good Friday. As far as the Storm are concerned, just one change. Suli Vunavalu returns this week. Shandor Earl back out of the side for the Roosters. A boost. Apparently, Jared Rehard Graves is playing, but again, was named the last two weeks, didn't play. Zane Tadavano, if that's the case, moves to lock, and Liu is out with a broken finger. Victor Radley left the field with a head gash but should be good to go and Jake Friend still not named to play
1: Revenge game Roosters got a couple of injuries I'll tip the storm
2: I have similar thoughts to you early in the year couple of poor weeks in a row by Melbourne the Roosters have been fairly good but it's down in Melbourne uh, like you said trying to get a little bit of revenge back on them I am going to tip the storm but I'll tell you what if the Roosters are outsiders for betting value as far as the line or any start you can get a one to twelve, I don't think that would be a bad bet, that's for sure. Mr. Gossip, he is also on the storm though, and surprise, surprise, it's a pick'em game, a dollar ninety apiece. Minus one is in favour of the home team, the Storm. Both teams one to twelve a 290, 13 plus is four sixty for both sides. Warriors Cowboys over at Mount Smart Stadium to kick things off on Saturday. For the Warriors, Stephen Kearney gets Blake Green back in his side. Jerry Beal has been named as a reserve. Scott Bolton is back from suspension for his first game for the Cowboys, pushing Corey Jensen back to the reserves. And in the backs, Justin O'Neill comes in to replace Nene McDonald. Still no shift there with Ben Hampton, uh, the forward pack, and everything seems to be the same. John Asiata, does he play? I don't know. I, I, I'm really, really surprised if he doesn't have like ligament damage to his elbow or something in his arm. They've put in a pretty good effort, I think, in both the last two games, but I haven't come up with the bickies. But travelling to New Zealand after two disappointing losses, I don't know if I can back them. So with zero confidence I'm gonna tip the Warriors. I'm gonna tip the Cowboys. I'm gonna keep plugging away.
1: I like what I saw from last week.
2: Well, let's hope they can do something this week. Mr. Gossip, he's on the Warriors as well, and the odds with the Pro Sports Syndicate. A dollar forty for the Warriors, two ninety five for the Cowboys, minus seven and a half is aligned. One to twelve two ninety for the Warriors, four fifty for the Cowboys. 13 plus Warriors 257 $7 for the Cowboys. Dragons manly. This should be a cracker game down at Wollongong. Looking forward to watching this one. For the Dragons side of things, Paul McGregor has named the same 17. Uh that's a good sign for them. Vaughan under an injury club of that ankle, but obviously they've got him in there, so he will be probably good to go. For the Eagles, their followers will also be happy to know that their teams remain 100% intact after changes every week so far. But Adam Finua-Blake, I think you said, is facing the judiciary.
1: Yeah, he's going to go challenge his high tackle charge.
2: So if he is out looking at the reserves, I'd assume that Kaleppi Tanganoa would be the replacement to come in there. Real tough game, but the fact it's at win, I'm going to back the Dragons to make it four in a row. But two teams in form playing good football. Um, I'm also not hundred percent certain that Fanel Blake will beat his charge. Yeah, dragons. with his priors. So I'll go the dragons in this one. Dragons. Mr. Gossip, he's on the dragons as well. But again, really looking forward to that game. The Pro Sports Syndicate, a dollar forty five favourite are the Dragons, two seventy five for Manly. minus six the line, one to twelve dragons, two ninety, three ninety for the Eagles, thirteen plus dragons, two seventy five, six seventy-five for the Eagles. Titans, Newcastle. As far as changes are concerned, Jared Wallace is obviously out. So Shannon Boyd comes back from his hamstring injury. The only other change, Phillip Semi replaces AJ Brimson on the bench. Ash Taylor still under an injury cloud as far as I know. And Riley Jacks being included in the reserves probably speaks to that. Knights, only one change for them. Herman essie finally gets back into the side now that Aiden Guerra is out after that sickening leg break. Uh, they've lost four in a row since their first one against Crowler in round one. I'm going Newcastle with zero confidence, and again, there's pressure on both sides, and you guys are at home. But the fact that they haven't really been blown out, they've had a lot, a lot of clo- lot, a close losses. At some stage, it's got to turn. So I'm going to stick with the. No,
1: I'll, I'll tip the Titans at home.
2: There you go.
1: Until Newcastle again, until Newcastle show me something. I know the Titans haven't been great, but neither have Newcastle.
2: No, I'm not disagreeing with you, Mr. Gossip. Uh, probably looking to stay on board with the, the Knights as well. And hopefully for Papa Gossip, they can turn things around. They've been pretty poor so far. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, Titans are favourites at home. $1.85, $1.95 for the Knights. Minus one and a half is the line. One to 12 Titans, 2 15 for the Knights. 13 plus Titans, $4.525 for the Knights. Raiders, Broncos down in Canberra. Uh, it doesn't get any easier for the Broncos, that's for sure. Starting the season off, they've got to turn things around. But the Red Hot Raiders, Joe Pine. He is out and has been replaced on the bench by Junior Collins, also formerly known as JJ Felice and a lot of other things, a few name changes there. Aside from that, unchanged team for the Broncos, no changes uh wholesale, but Payne Haas has moved from lock to prop in place of Matt Lodge, who is not being named in the seventeen at all. Why Dave Fita starts at lock and Gemmahart Shibasaki is on the bench.
1: So I'm going to tip the Broncos.
2: He obviously wasn't happy with Lodge's errors last week and the way he's played the last couple of weeks. It looks like he's been dropped.
1: Yeah, well, fair so enough. There's got to be consequences for action. So
2: James Roberts in good. the reserves, possibility to he play him. He won't play. I why, would you, why would you play him? I wouldn't be playing him.
1: No. I'm going to tip the Broncos. Uh, massive test for the Raiders. This one, you knock off Brisbane at home on um, Easter Sunday and I, I'll i believe in the Raiders. But at the moment, um, you know they've only really played... Melbourne, haven't they? that? that well, the, have been you can't the say the Eels solid. are a
2: slouch. The Eels have been a good no, side. I'm still so not convinced
1: over, uh, over Parramatta.
2: They played Melbourne. They weren't bad in that game. But they no, they weren't.
1: For me, I just think
2: in round Brisbane have got probably a little home. bit
1: more to play for. Yeah, but we're rubbish.
2: Still, two 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 lockout performances defensively. I think the way that Brisbane have been attacking and it being in Canberra, I'm confident the Raiders will get the job done. But if Brisbane improve, have better intent, and show a bit more direction of their attack, who knows? But I think the Raiders have got a pretty good record against the Broncos. Mr. Gossip. He's also on board with the Raiders. They are the favourite with the Pro Sports Syndicate. 2 seventy-three, two ten for the Broncos minus two the line. One to twelve Raiders. 280, $3.20 for the Broncos. Thirteen plus Raiders. Three seventy-five seventy-five for the Broncos. In the last I think game, it's of-
1: also one of those ones where Broncos have to win a little bit more than what Canberra do. So I think that'll make a difference.
2: Well, We'll wait and see, shall we? And on Easter Monday, opening of the new Bankwest Stadium, which looks absolutely incredible. The Parramatta Eels. New home ground against the Tigers, and there's been a bit of friction on uh, social media with fans blowing up. Tigers fans claiming that it's not their stadium, it's other people's, and this, that, and the other. I don't well, know. It's
1: certainly not the Tigers. The Tigers have 18 stadiums. It's all
2: getting a bit testy between the fans, so this should be very, very good entertainment on Monday. But for the Eels, two new faces on the bench with Oregon Kafusi recalled and Raymond Stone coming in for Kane Evans and David Gower, who have been named as reserves.
1: Jeez, hasn't Kane Kane Evans? He just stink the joint up.
2: I think he's been better this year, but that's Maybe, more. Yeah, I don't know. Last I said it when they bought him, last like? year he was non-existent. But yeah, he's not the player that he was made out to be. That's no. for sure so far. For the Tigers, no surprise, no change to the lineup from last week that beat the Broncos. Very very gritty performance. What do you think in this one, mate? Para. I think new stadium. I have to take Parramatta. Yeah,
1: that's the only reason.
2: Blake Ferguson under an injury cloud. The change there. Looking at the reserves, Josh Hoffman. Or Greg Lillisio, who's been... Well, I'll
1: say this. If Ferguson's out, I'll change my tip to the Tigers. But obviously, for the the purpose of this, we're thinking that he's going to play. Um, But, yeah, if if we get to the end of the week, remember that.
2: Well, I don't think I've tipped the Tigers many times this year, if at all. But they prove me wrong every week. They're a very gritty side. They've got a good coach. And they're just kind of traveling along under the radar at the moment, aren't they? Mm. Besides that Bulldogs blip, which they could be 5-5 if that was the case. But... Oh no, sorry, they've lost another game, didn't they? I've mixed that up. My bad. But yeah, I'm on the Eels. Mr. Gossip, he's also gone on the Eels. But I think this one will be a cracker game. Very close. Two teams that have been playing <laughs> some decent football. But with the Pro Sports Syndicate, Parramatta are the favourite at their new home ground. A dollar eighty-four, $1 for the Tigers. Minus one the line. One to twelve para two ninety-three oh five for the Tigers. Thirteen plus para four thirty-three and four seventy-five for the Tigers. Do you have any bets, Brock? That you like.
1: I'm gonna go a multi south into the dragons, and I'm gonna back the Broncos straight out.
2: So what have you got there? Broncos at two ten,
1: south into the dragons, which I think is about two ten as well.
2: And if I put those two into a multi, yeah, one95 two bucks, dollar ninety five. I'm gonna go south thirteen plus at two twenty five. I like that one. Oh, this is hard. It's, uh, it's it hasn't been easy so far this year, has it? That's for sure. And I, world, brother. I'm going to go the Raiders one to twelve at home. I think the Raiders at home defend well, get themselves another win in a close game against Brisbane, who hopefully play a bit better. I was very tempted to have two bets on South. So I was going to go South in a try win combo with Sam Burgess running on that right edge, but there's no odds or nothing listed Let's do just it. yet, so. That's what I'm going to go with. But there you go. That wraps us up for another week here on the fifth and last NRL podcast, another absolute jam-packed show. Set of six, any of our thoughts, your fan questions, game reviews, game previews, tips, gossip, dirt, bets. Hopefully our bets are a little bit better this week if people people have been following us in. If not, go to the Pro Sports Indicate. Clearly their bets are better. Ten for 13 last week, two from three with their best bets. $14 profit with their $100 per bet unit. Check that out. Look at that package. $100 discount for all the fifth and last listeners. And obviously look for those promo links there so you can sign up and get some bonus bet money in your back pocket. Huge thanks to the boys there and obviously to the Penrith Solar Center. Jake and the lads there, get on board, mention us, get them to help you out, www.penrithsolar.com.au. Power bills are only getting higher and higher. Do yourself a favor, help your back pocket, save some money, get a solar system. There you go. Everybody... Family, friends, enjoy your long weekend, enjoy Easter, enjoy the company of your loved ones, have a drink, plenty of chocolate, lots of food, have a great time, and most importantly, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby
1: league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where what's
0: going on here? Is that it? Is that it?